Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcasting Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. And if you look at the title, you know that we're doing a review of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, the fifth book in the franchise. And if you've been listening to these podcasts thus far, you know I've had consistently two guests on every Harry Potter podcast. If I switch that up, I kind of want to see if anybody would notice, but... That's just, I'm just a rude person like that. Who's with me today? Don't worry, Tim. No one would notice you're gone. <laughs> Who is that speaking? <laughs> this is Dakota. And I'm Nikki. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are here. I appreciate it. Uh, we can carry, we can yeah. carry the podcast without you. It's okay. You can replace yourself. Hope everybody's ready to enjoy a review of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Let's jump into that right now. Okay, since every podcast episode with these two goons starts oh, with, yeah, starts with, <laughs> because you laughed at this stupid joke, that's why. I'm an equal opportunity laugher. I'm quoting a horrible episode of Batman. So. Do the damn thing. Yeah, you gotta do a synopsis of the book, so. So, come on, Chuckles. I'm, so, I'm a little nervous this time because the third book, you guys hated it. Last book, apparently it was too long and too crazy, so you hated it. I didn't hate it. It was just you got to bring it down a level. You were you had 11 when I needed an 8. So, can you, give me, so you can't give me the whole 9 today. I'm sorry for over-trying. I thought that's the effort you wanted. <laughs> Why are you always disappointed in me? <laughs> I'm gonna come over there and give you a crew cut. <laughs> Let's see a crew cut. Stop me! <laughs> so Harry Potter knew what a Phoenix is about. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I was okay. gonna relinquish your duties there. <clears throat> no. Okay. So Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. We start off the book. Harry's at uh, at his aunt and uncle's house, creeping underneath windows, climbing climbing in bushes, snatching your people up, hiding your kids, hiding your wives, and had to had to your husbands because they're raping everybody up here. Anyway, with so, his wand, with his wand, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, no one of the bedrooms so showed up. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were crime fighters that night. So he's getting really angsty at this point. Uh, no female contact whatsoever when he's staying at his <laughs> uncle's contact. <laughs> so he starts roaming the streets looking for a prostitute. Comes across his cousin in the middle of an alley. And they guess what? They get attacked by Dementors. He does some magic. And, like, ba-doo, ba-doo, ba-doo. and then like... Um, <laughs> And then he returns his cousin from trying to get smooched by a Dementor. Owl comes in, says, hey, you're expelled. Then another owl comes in, hey, you're not expelled. And then another owl comes in, hey, you're probably going to get expelled, but not till this date. So Harry's like, oh, fuck this shit. So anyway, the Order of the Phoenix, which is created by Dumbledore, comes and snatches him in the middle of the night because, you know, he's a 
sex offender at this point, and <laughs> brings him to uh, 12 Grimwald Place, which sat, which in the book sounds horrible, but to me kind of sounds like a really cool place with all like the weird stuff going on and like his dang with series black, which is pretty awesome. Anyway. So, learns more about the Order, nobody's telling him jack shit, Dumbledore is refusing to see him, and all hell is going to break loose. Harry goes to the meeting about the magic for the, for the Dementors, does not get expelled, we're introduced to the evil bitch Dolores Umbridge, who's like a toad in like, wrapped in pink wrapping paper of disgustingness. Anyway, they go to Hogwarts, shit goes down. Harry starts seeing visions of this long hallway, thinking, oh my god, Voldemort wants me to go here. I don't know what's going on. Dolores Umbridge is teaching defense against dark arts. They're not learning shit. Everyone's like, hey, Harry, why don't you teach us? Because, you know, you fight dark arts all the time. Harry's like, no, that's a horrible idea. And then after prodding and prodding and prodding, he's like, fine, fuck it. Nobody's going to come and watch me do dark arts. And then he gets a slew of people that are like, oh my god, teach us dark arts. He's like, fuck, I'm cool. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is moving a lot faster than the last time. I'm already like halfway through the book. No, you're not, actually. <laughs> okay, so where was I? 339. Damn it! <laughs> I'm just imagining. Well, so Dolores Umbridge is now not only the defensive against the dark arts teacher; she's the High Inquisitor, which means she can fuck with Hogwarts as much as she wants. So she starts fucking with Harry, teaching him lessons and stuff. <laughs> and yeah, so anyway, they find out. So Dolores Umbridge uh, eventually gets Albus uh, Dumbledore kicked out of the school. Uh, he. Harry still has visions. She becomes Dolores Umbridge becomes headmaster, and Fred and George are like, "Fuck this show. We're gonna fuck this school and fuck her, but not literally, figuratively, because that'd be gross." Damn Eiffel Tower yet? Just <laughs> <laughs> and so and so. Eventually, Voldemort puts an image of him kidnapping Sirius Black in the in the um, the place in the Ministry the Ministry uh, of Magic, the Department of Mysteries. Department of Mysteries. Thank you very much. Harry is like, oh shit, we gotta go save Sirius Black, and everyone's like, Harry, it's probably a trap. He's like, fuck, I don't care. <laughs> Plot points. Anyway, so they get so they get to the Ministry. Sirius Black isn't there. It's a trap. Shocker. It's a trap. That's right. Yes. yes. <laughs> General a a Admiral Akbar is there. Uh, <laughs> but he had no, Harry had no Lando Calrissian to save him this time. No, he didn't. But Order of the Phoenix, come, uh, so it's a trap. All the Death Eaters are there. Like, give us the prophecy, boy. And, um, and yeah, so he's running around the Department of Mysteries going like, I have the prophecy, I have the prophecy. And then the Order of the Phoenix comes in like, save Harry. And... Uh, the Death Eaters like kill everyone, and they're all like pew 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 with magic and everything like that. Sirius Black gets thrown through with this veil thingy and dies. And everyone's like, Harry's like, Aah! and then he runs away. Uh, Voldemort appears. Dumbledore comes in. It's like fuck this shit. Boom boom boom. And they have this whole big battle in the Ministry of Magic. And then Cornelius Fudge is like, oh shit, he's back. And they're like, yeah, that's what we were telling you for the last year, dipshit. And then finally gets back to the Hogwarts. Dumbledore literally dead explains everything and Harry's like I hate you but not really but he's hate he's hateful and then Dumbledore was like well now we're going to set up things for the sixth book so wait till the sixth book readers and there we go dun 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 <laughs> and then he realized he was still a wizard <laughs> after all that <laughs> plot twist plot twist <laughs> <laughs> I can do magic that you know how horrible it would be at the end of the seventh book is that like 
We find out that Harry Potter up. is a normal kid in a coma, and he just imagine no, no, all he of this. Ju- he just wakes up in the cupboard underneath the stairs. It's still eleven years old. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, as this book franchise is about Harry Potter, let's start with him when we break down characters. Now, the other guest that's on the show has been silent for practically for the last five minutes because there was a long prologue by Dakota. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It was nowhere near as long or as detailed as last time. I still brought the enthusiasm, so shut it! I, like, definitely thought for the first few minutes, I was like, I don't think I read the same book as Dakota. (laughs) I was like, oh, there's raping involved. It's just getting weird. And then he's like, I'm halfway through the book. I'm like, uh, check again. You're not even close. This is a very long book. He was reading fan fiction and mistaking it for the actual book. I know, he just, like, created... It's like Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, part B. (laughs) As written by Dakota. Uh, so your feelings on harry potter in this story um well everybody always hates on harry in this story and i actually like especially reading it again this time like i feel like that's misplaced because even though he's super angsty and like every other 15 year old like this kid just has this awful traumatic like tragic event happen to him then he's locked up in the last place anyone would ever want to be locked up in which is the dursleys and which I almost think is worse than being locked up in Grimmauld Place, but it's probably the same uh, feelings as Sirius has. But um, and like everybody always hates on Harry because he's just going through all these freaking emotions. But he just saw a kid die, one that I think he kind of had like a budding friendship with, and then like he, everyone he feels close to, everybody uh, he kind of finds comfort in had to turn their back on him for his safety, for their safety, for the safety of the greater good. And so the greater poor, good. Yeah, so poor Harry has to kind of, like, deal with all that. And so I think, like, a lot of times he just has these mood swings, but I think they're completely justified. Like, I don't think they're, like, mood swings that are you're like, all right, Harry, like, enough, which is what everybody seems to complain about with this book. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. Um, yes, he was not climbing in. Through windows, snatching people up. I, I, I'm sorry. Creative liberty. Hey, you gotta give me credit. I'm coming up with this stuff on the fly. But anyway, no Harry Potter in this book. Yes, the first time you read it, you're like, "Wow, Harry's a dick." But you get if you read it a couple like another time or another time after that, you really start thinking like, "If I was in his situation, I just this all happened to me last year, and now I'm stuck here, and nobody's talking to me about what's going on." You kind of understand why he's getting really angry with the situation. And also just the fact that, yes, he is going through hormone swings and all that stuff. So it's just like, okay, this is a rough, rough time for all this stuff to happen to a kid this age. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think a lot of his anger is justified. Some Sometimes he's a little like, like dude, yeah. But I, I, but you I, can I, understand where he's coming from, right? I mean, you gotta think of yourself. Put yourself back in your shoes if you're 15. Or do you tell me that you were not a little? I was a little shit. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I never thought you were a little shit because you've always been taller than me. Okay, yeah, I was a big was shit. <laughs> but yeah, I was a big st- smelly shit. That's what you're saying. Well, I want to talk about your bo right now, but that's beside the point. I'm sorry, Nikki. I'll but keep my arms down. <laughs> it's T Rex arms the entire body. <laughs> yeah, like I'll have to reach to swing it because you can't T Rex the mic. So, but like I, I agree with you. I mean, I've mentioned this before. I remember when I was re-listening to this pot, this the audiobook book uh, for Order of the Phoenix a few months back that it got to the point where like 
Harry was so frustrating to me that I was physically starting to react to it. Like, like I'm starting to shake a little because I just want to throttle this kid because he's being so antsy. But then I, I like, like I said before, I had to take a step back and say, you, you have a character who's dealing with survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. Everybody's keeping him at arm's length because of that and situations that he is the only witness to half the wisdom world believes he's uh, a false prophet at that point. And even within amongst his friends that he, that he feels somewhat ostracized because they're like, Oh, we should probably keep things away from Harry. That's why mm-hmm. like, it is almost like a kind of like a separation between uh, Harry from when it comes to Dumbledore, especially him then amongst his friends. And then it almost seems like that's why he's able to find comfort in Luna because she kind of doesn't really care about the, what people think about each other, but like she doesn't judge him right away or anything like that. I I no I see what you're saying. I actually I just feel like he doesn't find that much comfort with Luna. I think uh, Luna's like a like a last resort at a lot of moments. Because even when he first meets her, like when she's like, "Yeah, I see him too with the Thestrals." Mm-hmm. Like I, he's kind of just like, mm-hmm. and then like when she gives him like a vote of confidence in front of everybody, and like what was it, Ernie Mc whatever whatever Ernie whatever. McMillan. Yeah, McMallon was like, oh, I believe in you, like super loud in front of everyone. I'm it's like, Spartacus. He, and he's just like, it's not just loony people that think that. So, like, I think um, I think in this book, I don't think he appreciates Luna as much as he will come to. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think that. Well, no, I think he appreciates Luna at the very end where he kind of sees her as quirky when, rather than Well, loony. no, be, like when he, he kind of like. After all the stuff that she's been with him through this entire year, and the fact that she's still put that at the uh, last, the second to last day of school, she's putting up signs saying, "Please return my stuff." Mm-hmm. And he kind of like, "Why the hell are they treating you like this? You're actually like, yeah, you're kind of weird, but you're not like horrible." No. But it took him so long to yes, to get to that got, point, you know. Yeah, no, and I, I, I just feel like overall. Like, it's kind of, it's the same way I feel about Snape. Overall, there's a, a mutual respect with Harry and Snape, but it, I don't think the whole journey that he shares with them, like, I definitely think he took a very long time to grow oh, on, like, Luna to grow on Harry. But, like, he, he like, put I'm himself not, in the situation, though. Yeah, and you know what? He's already, he's hating on everybody, and he's hating on the people that he actually really loves, so, like, I really shouldn't judge him too harshly for, here's this strange girl who's, you know, like, but, I mean, you gotta give Luna credit. Like, you want to talk about a loyal person. Like, when Luna has faith in you, Luna has faith in you. Um, That's why her and Neville just go hand in hand, because yeah. they're, they're so compatible like that. Yeah, I almost kind of wonder if she was thought to be put in Gryffindor, too, like, kind of like the reverse Hermione. Like, Hermione was thought to be put in Ravenclaw, and they put her in Gryffindor. Like, I kind of wonder if yeah, there was. That's a good point. I, I, that, I never thought of it like that. But yeah, she Luna has that whole braveness of a Gryffindor. And the boldness. And the boldness. But I think the boldness to think outside the box and think differently is that's why, that's why she ended up in Ravenclaw. Um, but as we were talking about Gryffindor and Ravenclaw, let's talk about the other people in Gryffindor House. Uh, let's talk about Ron for a moment. Okay, Ron um, goes through some big changes in this book. He does. Uh, I mean, 
Yeah, Rod, Rod is obviously the best. Obviously, he still continues to be Harry's best friend, and he does stick up with uh, for Harry in a lot of situations, even though some of Harry's anger is misdirected to Rod. Yeah, he totally, instead of venting to him, he just yells at him yeah, and then like unleashes his wrath on ron and right. to the point it's like i'm just a little, like i'm just trying to help dude, you dude like cut me cut me some slack i mean hermione addresses that more than ron does throughout the book but um this book ron is made prefect to his astonishment and to the astonishment of literally everyone, everyone. <laughs> which you really feel bad for him reading it it's like even hermione's like thinks harry should have got it yeah harry i knew it was you and then it's like no it's ron's and she's like Oh. oh, are you sure? You sure about there was no mistake? And even his mom was kind of like, "What?" I mean, she was thrilled, but there was a moment of hesitation. Like, is there you? a mistake here? Yeah, yeah, because you think of everybody in the family that was already prefect by that point. Mm-hmm. Percy was a prefect. Uh, was Bill, Bill and uh, Bill, was Bill and Charlie both prefects? One of them was captain of the Quidditch. The other one, was both. I thought Charlie was both. I, yeah, fact check that because I'm pretty sure Charlie was both, and I think uh, I I don't know if Bill no it, he had to have been because she goes that's everyone in the family. Yes, you're so right. So the that, and then Fred and George are like, "What are we neighbors?" And I thought that was really funny. Yeah, because uh, you can't be like, "Oh, what are we the redheaded stepchildren?" Because they are, are redheaded. Red, red, yeah, <laughs> it's not funny, you know. Uh, <laughs> you love I, it. No, you. <laughs> you you don't understand the redhead stepchild syndrome like I do. Nah. <laughs> wow, I, I love you. You just yeah. it's like eh. Okay. Yeah. Child's yeah. tribulations of being a redhead in the house. Bill and Charlie were prefects. Uh, Bill was head boy. Charlie was Quidditch captain. Gotcha. And then this is like, which Ron becomes part of the Quidditch team as keeper. Yeah, and this is where Ron really starts to establish his identity as a person because. He's no longer thought of simply as Harry Potter's best friend. Right. No, he's making. He's actually making moves to identify himself and stand alone. Right. Which is also interesting because he's so displaced by it because he can't handle the attention. Because you see, like when he first starts Quidditch, it's like, yeah, he can get uh, block the goals when nobody's looking. looking because he's not used to being the center of attention. Like. He's just so taken aback by actually having that personal limelight, um, which I think is also why a lot of Harry's anger is placed on Ron, because now Ron's dealing with the, the exact issues that Harry has always dealt with, but now uh, Harry's getting pushed further and further doesn't, in the back. Doesn't Ron say, uh, doesn't Ron say that at one point when, um, like, oh, now I know what it was like to feel like be you like so hated? Or something like that. I, or was that the next book? I know that was a line. Someone said that to I think Harry that maybe the next point. book. I think it's next book. Okay. Because that's when I think uh, with uh, what's her name is like uh, falling all over herself for Ron at that point. That's um, oh Lavender Brown. Lavender Brown. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, the Weasley uh, Weasley is our king song gets created because of Ron's yeah. inability to take pressure. Yes. And which you gotta admit. Like so catchy, and yes, like, it is. I'm just like, I'm like singing it, it as I read it, and I'm and like, God, I love the Weasleys. Like this is awful, but like you can't yeah, help. Like as soon as you said that, I'm like, Weasley is our king, and I'm like, Oh God, yeah. no! Like a chant, yeah. And he was born in a bin. 
Yeah, like, oh my god. Is that how they do it in the audiobook? Yes. Is that why? I was like, why do you both have like the same rhythm? Because that's not the rhythm that I had at all. I'm not going to say it now. (laughs) Yeah, my hardcore rap. Yeah, I, I, I imagine Ludacris singing this. That's what oh. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, move, what? bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? Luda! <laughs> oh my, like, Luda with, like, a pit bull mix. Oh, God. <laughs> Mr. 305. I think we need a change.org petition for yeah, that. Just right? to get Ludacris to sing. Like, please, Luda. <laughs> You throw your beats on this track. Please. <laughs> and so Ron deals with the pressure of being the new person on the Gryffindor team that costs Gryffindor a game and then eventually is one of the biggest reasons why Gryffindor is able to get the cup at the end of the year. He's not the only per- only reason to be on the team that, that secures that, but it's like I love that moment where they get back to the uh, Harry and Ron. Everybody get back in the common room first, and Seamus calls out Harry but because his mother reads the Daily Prophet and believes their word as gospel. And Ron's and like Harry's just like, "What are you like? You're gonna believe everything your mother tells you and stuff like that?" And Ron's like, "Like, yeah, I'm with him. I'm with I'm with the scarred kid who's being ostracized by everybody." I feel like too, like Harry wouldn't realize that attacking someone's mother is so like offensive because he doesn't have a mother. Like when people. Well, yeah. I feel like I feel like it's just like a, a big difference between like, like your parents are dead, and then like your mama jokes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there is like a very fine line, and um, so I think he doesn't quite get like why he's being so insulting, mm-hmm. and like I mean that's just Harry and his misplaced rage like throughout the book, which is um, not a hundred percent of his doing. That, well, that it's not. You can't really blame Harry for that because. Well, it came back. It's one of your classmates. I mean, yeah, it's one of your classmates saying, "I wasn't coming back because I'm, I, I dorm with you." Yeah. It's like, what? Why the fuck is what? And then it's like, yeah, those are questions that every parent body brings up with their with their kids. Like during the summer, it's like, I don't know if I should send you back to that school. Yeah, because a, I don't know if your headmaster is kooky, and I don't know if that student, Harry Potter, may do something dangerous. And on the off chance that he's correct and he's telling the truth, he's got a target on, on his back inside your house. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, I understand where Seamus's mother is coming from. It's just I also understand totally where Harry's coming from in that situation. Right. And another thing we didn't bring up, the, the fact something we'll probably bring up later, that we were talking about his being very angsty and raged. 100% of it is not completely Harry's fault of being a teenager and stuff like that. It's because of Voldemort's influence due to occlumency. It, it just questions the yeah, the question of the fact every time he loses his temper, how much is Harry and how much is Voldemort? I think actually it doesn't play as much of an effect as you would think, because uh, you think about like when they set up the port key, with Dumbledore sets them up the port key, and like Harry meets Dumbledore's eyes and he feels that rage. Uh, a lot of that is Harry's feelings are different than what he's doing at the moment and that's how he knows or well you'll know later on too but like i don't i don't know if i would blame a lot of his outbursts on um the connection that him and voldemort share because of the fact that like the things that harry got mad at are very characteristic of what harry would get mad at like um when he loses his temple pick a time with umbridge like 
Umbridge hits him on like a such a low level. Right. You can't blame that on Voldemort. That's no. entirely and I mean maybe because he's not sleeping because like I know I like if I don't get sleep like everything like I felt really bad because my coworker is a little annoying last Saturday and I haven't been sleeping that well and he just like great guy he just has one of those personalities you want to wring his neck and he was like everything he said and I'm like I'm gonna kill you like I couldn't and they were like stop fighting guys stop fighting and I was like oh my god like I can't help it I'm just really tired but I I don't think most of these things were like woohoo like Voldemort's switching like I don't think Harry would look back in retrospect and be like that was Voldemort's fault no but I mean there are moments, but you, in the sixth book he definitely chills out a lot more yes. maybe it's because of the experiences he has in the fifth book well no well, in the sixth book no one's on his ass about being a liar or anything like that he's very it's like finally he, getting it from yes he, he slight vindication at that point he's vindic and nobody's like really trying to like disprove him at this point they're kind of just leaving to be honest with the sixth book is the mo- time when he's left alo- alone the most right he goes looks for trouble we're trying to find draco at that point yes yeah, so well at that point it's like dude he always- chill yeah but but he has that hero complex but in this but getting back to the fifth book about the whole anger displacement jk rowling was very clear when voldemort's anger she did say, like, he, Harry has ex- did experience ha- moments of either extreme joy or extreme anger that wasn't anywhere related to the situation. But she was very clear when Harry is getting, like, violent mm-hmm. or ang- well, angry that, it, Kate, like, I think once or twice maybe it was fueled by Voldemort. But it was never really that was the main reason for him getting pissed off all the time. Right. I mean, there was moments where she did, like, feeling rage come, like, that was not of his own, like, coming into his voice and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like saying before. Yeah, like there was like certain saying that he's just like, this is weird. This doesn't sound like something I would say. But th- I think there is a really clear distinction, uh-huh. and that's like I'm pretty much what you said. But like it's just a very big distinction, and a lot of his temper is because he feels attacked on every single front. And the only person I think that really could have uh, fully calmed him, like, would have been Dumbledore, who actively like sought not to be in Harry's company. Yeah. So which kind of sucks when you think about it yeah I, Dumbledore did admit that he was totally wrong yeah but hey, he, apo- he did thoroughly apologize he's like you know he's like yeah I didn't I didn't pay attention to you this year and that was probably the wrong choice even though my suspicions were correct it was still the wrong choice for me to do which is admirable 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 Ad- thank you uh <laughs> but still like he left him out to drive when yes. everyone else left him out to drive which is like and you literally set up this bond with harry where your whole like his whole hogwarts career from the moment that he has actually officially meets dumbledore he creates this like dependency on dumbledore and then he literally just pulled out he like literally cold turkeyed this kid mm. and it's just like things like the hearing of like yeah he showed up obviously when he like really needed to to help harry but like but he, never... he and then he literally just dipped out after that meeting like that's gotta be so scary harry's like harry and voldemort had that one thing in common where like the thought of losing hogwarts was like hands down the worst thing in their like you know young Which years brought up in the sixth and seventh book because that whole relationship but yeah yeah because and i mean even I, they have so many parallels but like so here's harry thinking that like the absolute worst thing can happen and who's you know here for his defense yeah it's dumbledore but then like after he's not like 
okay, good, see you back at school. It's just like, boom, bye, like, bye, bitch, peace. We'll bring up Dumbledore later, but one thing I want to bring up before we move on to our next character, it must have been like kind of like a lonely year for Dumbledore not being able to talk to probably one of his favorite students because of the what could possibly happen. I'm just talking about on a personal level, not spending time with him. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he had the time to think about it, to dwell on it, because mm-hmm. he was constantly making moves for Harry's safety as well as everyone else's safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know if he really. I mean, I'm sure maybe like after these things, he felt guilty, but I don't, I don't, wouldn't say it was as as impactful to Dumbledore as it was to Harry. Yeah, I agree with that. Gotcha. I mean, Dakota yeah. agrees. <laughs> I agree. Moving on. Uh, Hermione. Your feelings on Hermione in this book. Okay, Hermione in this book, um, difference between the fourth and fifth book, I kind of think she kind of stayed the same, in my opinion. She becomes prefect, and she continues on with uh, Spew, um, where she's on this mission to like make sure that Sirius treats creature correct. And also, she's trying to free all the house elves from Hogwarts by leaving hats and, like, socks and stuff laying around for them to accidentally pick up. Right. It's just, um, I don't know, she's, uh, she, her character kind of remains the same. However, she does become a little bit shorter with Harry with whenever he lashes out incorrectly at them. Right. And she, well, she is only one of the few people in the book where she just flat out says, listen, you're getting pissed at the wrong person right now, the right. wrong people right now. We... We agree with you and everything, but you're jumping down our throats thinking that we don't. And she's probably the only person amongst the uh, core group that she could say that without Harry. Like, if Ron said that, Harry would like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, but if, if Hermione calls her, I was like, all right, maybe you're right there. I think she mellowed out a little bit in this book. I don't think she's quite as high-strung. And maybe it is because she is so focused on... Uh, Dumbledore's arm. She almost kind of has the same situation as Dumbledore. She's got a lot on her plate. And her I th- OWLs. Yeah, like I think that. No, no, you forgot OWLs, but you. Uh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> All the other things you threw in there. I don't feel the love. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Going back in my cupboard underneath the stairs. It's a big cupboard. Bobbish. <laughs> you see, like Dakota, do you realize that neither of us are being really attacking each other? It's it's Nikki drawing blood right now. You have to admit this. She's very vicious tonight. I mean, Jesus. I I'm I, we're sitting on a couch together and I'm like really far away from her as possible. She don't want to be attacked by Nikki. And Apparently I'm like super vicious today. It must be my other horcrux. Oh. Um, what was I saying about her money though? But yeah, no, I, and I think, <laughs> and I think at first she is really quick to be like, okay, like I get it. I would be so angry if I were you. And then she does start switching routine. She's like, all right, like I've had enough because I really just think she has so much on her plate. Um, I also like her like friendship with Fred and George, this like whole book, mm-hmm. because a lot, it starts off like, I'm a freak, uh, prefect. You can't do that. You can't do that. And it's now like, well, that's you're actually, not going to stop us. Are you? Yeah. That's actually a pretty good love- idea. You know, I love the moment like when she's totally against them. From like testing their uh, the uh, Weasley's wizarding wheezes, mm-hmm. uh, like the first years, and she's like, what, like, "What are you gonna do? Make us do lines?" She's like, "No, I'm gonna write to your mother." And they're like, <gasps> "No." 
like a totally yeah. below the belt move on Hermione's part, where they're actually like. If there's one person they probably, friend George probably fear more than Umbridge, it's probably their mother. Oh my god! I think all the Weasleys fe- like fear their mothers, right? Yes. And and it's funny. Well, not funny, but like I'm not mistaken. Where she? It's in this book where Mrs. Weasley deals with a boggard, right? Yeah. Oh and my it, god! And it that is a terrifying moment. Heart. Yeah, what a, and it's such a like a quick moment too. It's not like there's it's not like a, a page, whole chapter, like half a page really. And like you, the bogger got brought up like fourteen times before anyone actually did anything about it. But like when you finally get to it, it's just this quick and like what a visual thing to picture too. It's like dead body, dead body, dead body, dead body, and it's like flash, flash, flash. Like it's so quick, and you're just like, oh my god, this poor woman, because she's like all of their mom. Yeah, you pretty know? much at like, that point. Yeah, well, they didn't, They bring it up again when Arthur Weasley gets attacked by the snake, mm-hmm. and that's all Harry's thinking about. It's like Mrs. Weasley was afraid that this was going to happen, that Bogart was proof of it, and now, you know, it, this is what happened. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's just like, and it's, you don't want bad things to happen to the Weasley family because that's the one, like, solace that Harry has. Like, here's the family that he's always wanted, and, like, for her to... Um, to say like Harry's as good as you know my son like that's just such a oh like oh man when and then you you think about that also bringing up the boggart I want to know what it looks like because Mo- what, when Mad Eye yeah. yeah because like I'm thinking they're like oh nobody even knows what it's true sh-. and like would the boggart know to change to Moody because he's not in the same room so he would have no idea to be able to change so Moody is the only one who has seen the true form of a boggart or not- it's Moody's worst fear crammed into a uh, into, into a the desk lens, the of his yeah. eye yeah, yeah. yeah. Because the boggart has to be, like, uh, it changes when it goes to step out of the cupboard, but it has to sense you. And are you really going to sense something from a whole different part of the house? Unless because then it would be sensing all these other people. So whose fear would it know? To unless it's still in the form that it was last, the previous one. Left in. Or... But even then, wouldn't have... Like, this is what I don't get about boggarts. Sorry, a little tangent. Side note, but, like... At one point, they have to appear, so they have to have no fear associated with. So, what do they just like pop in as like the last? But like, are Boggarts born? Do they just appear? Like, what is this magical? I didn't know you could have this much of an existential crisis while (laughs) discussing a fictional character. I just want to know what the Boggarts look like. I bet you. I bet you. Just play ten pages of Reddit theory about the bog. There has to be. There has to be about it. I just need to know what because I really don't think it would have been able to sense, distinguish between Mad Eye and all of the other people because there's a lot of people in the house at that point. Right. So and because they're having the party, that's the night of the party, right? Yes. Yeah. So there's all these people in the house, and like there's a lot of happy energy, which is exactly what a bogger doesn't want. So like, would it go into like a protective mode and? Probably. Like, like, how does this work? I need to know. <laughs> I was like, call the people like, how, what is it? Uh, like, Mythbusters? I need to know what man I saw! <laughs> I just read, uh, just pulled up on the Wikipedia thing. There is no image for Bogart, but they're like, pretty much this. Here's like a you, kid. What? I referenced the Humphrey Bogart quote oh. there. I got it. You didn't get it. I did not get it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was into what I was reading here. Play it again, Dakota. 
That's another Casa Blanca reference. Go on. <laughs> I'm going to move on without you. Speak now. Forever hold your okay. peace. Come on, tell me. I'm freaking out over here. <laughs> okay, so Bogart yes. is the boogeyman. Ew. The thing that hides underneath your bed and comes out and scares you in the middle of the night. Right. That's what it is. It's um, amortal, so it's never, it's not living and it's not dead. Right. Kind of like a poltergeist. Gotcha. So it's kind of like this gaseous thing, apparently. It's like, yeah. It just describes it as sentient to an unknown degree. Huh. And, uh, yeah, it's just like this. I always thought what a Bogart was, kind of like a ditto in Pokemon, but like purpley uh, black. Right. Like but scarier than a ditto. <laughs> fucked up ditto, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Spend too much time in the caves, that's for sure. <laughs> Pretty much just like that. Um, I'm just imagining. I broke her, Yes! <laughs> I'm trying to remember what's the I'm trying to think of like l- lyrics into the like this is Halloween like I am the monster underneath your bed hiding under your stairs fingers like snakes, snakes and, and spiders, spiders in, in my, my hair isn't that gross that I can do that and, or, or, or uh, teeth round sharp and eyes it's glowing red. red that's what I'm imagining what the well it's just because like, like even when um, Lupin's explaining it he's saying like. I definitely think in the third book he says no one knows the true form. Right. So where are these people getting it from? Where are your facts coming from, Dakota? No, well, it's just... No, I, I know. There, there is no answer to this question. It's just really going to bother me now that we brought it up. <laughs> I'm going to sit here the whole Jake, time. What did, what did Matt Eyer see? She has to... We should just tweet her. So hopefully, like, we're doing a Harry Potter podcast. We would like to know, what did Matt I see yeah. when he looked at the Bogart? Do it. Uh, re, no, uh, tweet, uh, like, retweet, reply, get a life. No, uh, she no, 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 she would never be that vicious. No, she, and because she answers questions when people are really stuck. Like, right. So, I don't know, you guys should do it. I don't have a Twitter. Actually, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll just tw- go I'll make s- a Twitter for just this purpose alone. I'll tweet her as soon as the podcast yeah. is over. Okay, yeah, let's moving on since know. we're talking so much about t- 12 Grimroll Place. Let's talk yeah. about the person who currently owns it in this book, Sirius Black. You feelings I'm serious within this story. Oh, I feel so bad for Sirius because here he's had like the ultimate freedom, and like Hermione, I think it's Hermione who literally says, "Not that it would have been a cakewalk being on the run and like being, but like at least he was free, and now he's literally trapped in his own personal Dursleys." So like here you have someone who's known for their recklessness, their rashness, for just this like you want to talk about bravery, like Sirius has it, and seriously, seriously. yeah, seriously. Um, but like, I just feel awful and he's stuck in his worst nightmare and then he's stuck alone. So you have your worst enemy keeps coming in and being like, ha, 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 you can't leave the house. And he's all like, fuck you, bro. Like I'm wanted mass murderer. So like, I, I don't know. I just feel so bad. And then like, you know, what bothers me the most is that Harry goes out of his way to get in touch with him but doesn't use the fucking mirror that Sirius gave him to get in touch with him. It's like, Harry, get your shit together. And I know it was kind of like a sneaky, like, here's a mirror, don't tell Molly thing, but, like, ah, uh, a lot of this could have been avoided. Yeah, we, well, we wouldn't have had the climax of the book if he's just like, oh, yeah, that mirror thing. Sirius. Somebody else could have died. For Sirius, where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like he's in the shower, like what? <laughs> what? Whoa! It's all like steamy. Like, what do you want? Where? 
Need help? And he slips out of the tub. Shatters. Shower, shower curtain gets ripped out. Is like Janet lead psycho. Like that's how he falls out of the shower. Hey, if it's shattered, can you like see like all like the different images that are coming through the broken mirror? Probably. <laughs> no, man, it's like fucking um kaleidoscope. <laughs> serious? I need your help. But yeah, back to seriousness. Seriously, about seriousness. Serious. And then roll with black. <laughs> <laughs> Serious black. Okay. Um, <laughs> nice one. I heard it. We heard it. So, but uh, no, I like how that we actually do learn more about Serious Black in this book. I mean, we all. I mean, you just get the rumors and stuff in the third book, and it's not really a. His character is not really addressed in the fourth book at all, except for little tidbits on advice for Harry. And uh, we get to see who Sirius Black really is. And yeah, he's he's a he's an adrenaline junkie. He loves being he's like loves loves to chase, loves being involved. And you can really like literally see how it's like killing him being imprisoned in that house. Right. And particularly being imprisoned with the ha- in the house alone with Creature and Buckbeak, mm-hmm. and the fact that he can't even go outside, and he's and he's got he's stuck in a house where he's dealing with a house elf that despises him. him. Yeah, he's reminded of his mother because of a bewitched painting that cannot get off the wall and screams every time she is awoken. Okay, uh, we will bring that up in a moment, and then. You, you got you got Snape coming in periodically doing the Dennis Leary President Leary fuck you dance as he's like I can't get to go outside you can't <laughs> and flew powders his way out of there and probably chuckled to himself the entire ride. This back. would be horrible, but Snape's in, staying in the like hallway like I'm outside now I'm inside. Guess what? I'm back outside again. What can you do? Huh? Huh? What can you do? It'd be like. Dude, grow up. He wouldn't. Like Snape like chugged an energy drink. Like I don't think it Snape has ever had that much like energy to be like, here I am, there I go, here I am, there I go. I'm on the east side. Yeah. I'm on the west side. It's <laughs> not the point. Get it's the principle of it. it. <laughs> slide to the left. Slide but, to the right. And then we find out more about his lineage. Yeah. And where if if Sirius had a slightly different upbringing, or maybe just by his own personality. He probably would have been a Death Eater amongst Voldemort when he was grown up. Mm-hmm. But but if he turned against, and we find out he's not the only black family member to turn against his own lineage. We won't we won't find that out until yeah. sixth and seventh book. But it's seventh book, and we we mm. when it has the huge wall of the black lineage, and has, yeah. he's been the burned blasted, up. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like that. Even amongst the history books, he is a race because of it. he is considered. No, Tonks wasn't even on it because they blasted off her mother. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just makes you feel so bad that he's slowly reminded that his family mm-hmm. despised him, much like like Nikki said, as the Dursleys did. Mm-hmm. But unlike Harry, he can't go outside and sneak in people's windows and bless them with their wands and stuff like that. And you see a glimpse of one of the Horcruxes. Yes. Did. You see the locket. Which is, I'm pretty sure, you, well, you don't know for sure, it's R.A.B. shows up in the next book, and then you know for sure in the, the seventh book, but he does show up. But, um, God, that's just gotta be, I can't even picture that. And then, I kept pronouncing 
creature is Crutcher. That's why it took me so long to realize that it was a creature, you know. But fun little fact, Nikki can't pronounce things. It's okay. It's okay. Thanks, Hooked on Phonics, for nothing. <laughs> it reminds me of... Because you blasted Hooked on Fox several times in these no, podcasts. It's because I can't speak, and it's all their fault. I, I, I waited like somehow Hooked on Fox to get in contact with you, much like side story. Like, sue me for a defamatory statement. I remember my friends and I were quoting Big Daddy via Twitter. Like, how about a sausage egg McMuffin? Yeah, sure, you got it. McDonald's tweeted us back. Say so, yeah, you come in. We'll make sure you have your free sausage egg McMuffin, Mister Rooney. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, and I immediately like text everybody who's a part of that tweet. It's like, holy shit, guys, yeah. we we can actually cash this in. That was a terrible time for you. <laughs> um, also, the portrait of Mrs. Uh, Black. Now, do you think she has another portrait somewhere? You know, she yeah. never moves. Because I, I feel so. like the black family, like, they have pictures everywhere. Not just, so like, why wouldn't fin- she have left? Well, I feel like because she hates that they're there. You'd be I like, hmm. I think that's the only picture she's in, though. She doesn't roam the house, or they would have to cover up every picture in the house. That would that would been kind of really disconcerting. They had all the paintings in your house. Well, you, couldn't, you couldn't communicate at all. She no. had to she has to be able to move because every picture in in Hogwarts they can go from portrait to portrait to portrait. Oh, but those portraits can be specifically I bewitched. I don't think this port this pic- painting is yeah. that. I think this is the painting was just specifically for that reason, mm-hmm. for like an intruder alarm uh, almost. That's why because we don't ever really see Dumbledore go from painting to painting. He has he's... to have some something somewhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but we never see him. We see him smile at the end of the seventh book, but we never see him like. Go through like, hey guys, the prodigy! I told you, he he did it. But you see, a, a lot of the other, uh, like headmasters and headmistresses yeah, they, too, they they go, but those just go between their own pictures. But the ones in Hogwarts, you get to go like, no, wait, cause wait, wait, wait. the fat lady and her drunk friend, like, um, fin, uh, Phineas. Uh-huh. He explains it actually in the seventh book. Where he's like, oh, we can't go, like, when Harry's like, can you bring Dumbledore's portrait? We have questions for him. And Phineas is like, no, because it doesn't work like that. The headmaster portraits can't walk into their those frames, but you can leave their frame and then walk around other picture frames. It was weird. Wait, because Phineas, yeah. <laughs> Phineas cannot move to um, into another headmaster's frame. Okay. It doesn't work like that. However, he can go to the Black Manch, uh, Twelve Grimoire Place, and then go into other pictures in the place. Okay. They said that specifically when he, uh, when he did, didn't believe that Sirius died. Right. He went back to Grimoire Place and he searched the house for him. Right. So he went to picture to picture to picture. Gotcha. So he can move through frames. It's just he can't move in Hogwarts. He's stuck in that one frame. Okay. So I think if it's in the same room or oh, it's a connecting. If it's in the- they're so stuck in their own portraits, yeah. Which, presumably, there's another Dumbledore portrait probably somewhere in the yeah. world. I mean, everyone else, he, Dumbledore did say that everyone has portraits in, like, very high places, like, um, Dig, a Diggle or whatever. The one in the, the, one in the ministry, the one at St. Mungo's, they can go to those portraits, mm. and then they can move around there. Ooh, St. Mungo's is part of this book, too. We can bring up, bring up, uh, yeah. another thing we can bring up later. Yes, but, one other thing. But, but, final thoughts of Sirius Black. I loved him. I, I, I was so upset when... Spoiler. 
when he died. Yeah. But since we've talked about 12 Grimoire plays, let's talk about the other resident. And now we're not talking about Buffy, we're talking about Creature. Creature. You know what sucks so much about Creature? Um, I mean, I know Sirius couldn't get over it because Creature would have literally had such a big impact on Sirius's childhood. So he couldn't get over that. But it's Sirius's own advice that he didn't follow that, uh, like, you tell a lot of the measure of a man by how he talks to his inferiors. And had he just been just an nicer. inch nicer. And it's like you think about it. What a slip of the tongue to be like out. And didn't mean leave the house. He just meant out of the room. So if he had just said out of the room, um, like, God, like. Yeah, that's <laughs> another, another example Christian! of serious being he- rushing into things, being headstrong and not thinking about things. He Which, always jumps before he looks. Yeah, they just, uh, he jumps the gun. And that's, I mean, realistically, I think at the end of the day, Creature probably would have portrayed, even if he was a little bit nicer. But I think he would have at least punished himself. He would have done, there would have been a little bit more of an obstacle. Wouldn't quite be so easy. Like, here, oh, here are all my secrets. Yeah. And here's all the secrets of the people in this house. Which is funny because it's obviously a lesson that Harry learns and then he befriends Creature to an extent. So much so the creature is willing to lead an uprising in Hogwarts of the Seventh Book well, no, with Dobby at that point. I mean, obviously, uh, no, Dobby's dead at that point. Oh, well, yes, yeah. I'm sorry. No, but yeah, creature does want eighty because Harry does respect respect him, and he he. I mean, yeah. Hey, right, let's not jump at the gun here. I'll just stop. But creature in this book, um, yeah, creature is just awful. You want to you want to throttle him? He's awful. Yeah. And you don't really blame Sirius too much. And Harry does address this with Dumbledore towards the end of the book where he's like, Sirius hated Creature. Does, is that how he treats all households? And Dumbledore's like, no. And he did explain, like uh, Dumbledore did say, Sirius loved every Like he treated everyone with the same amount of respect. It's just Creature represented that house. Right. And he just despised that house and he despised Creature. Right. It's not how he's like, don't. Let that reflect on your memory of him because that was under unique circumstances. Mm-hmm. So you can't, I mean, so you can't blame Sirius for hating Creature, but at the same time, you can understand why everyone, all the Weasleys also hated Creature. Yeah. And it's another thing to Hermione's determination to her own values that she still tried, tried, despite. Every nasty thing that he said towards her, but, even though when but he's that comes he was... in handy in the seventh book when they actually befriend creature, yeah. it does come finally like makes finally breaks through that yes, this is how we should be treating him. Yes, and and I, I love that. I know we're jumping the gun to the seventh book, but I love that moment where like creature kind of like blinks, is like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, and Harry's being nice to him, and creature probably hasn't felt any any towards of generosity or happiness towards him since Mrs. Black was walking well, because around he, within that house. Because Creature adored um, uh, Regulus. Yes. And Harry and Harry, Ron, and Hermione were telling Creature, we're going to the person who did this to Regulus, he's going to pay for what he's done. Yeah. And we're going to see to it and we promise you, Creature. That meant the world and much more to Creature, probably. Right. Because he absolutely adored, I think he more adored Regulus and Mrs. Black. Right. But, so that's why, how they think they won him over and everything. But yeah, I, Creature, I hate Creature in the fifth book. Seventh book, I actually like Creature. Yes. Um, 
Moving on. Okay. Let's talk about Dumbledore because I know we've mentioned him. Dumbledore. <laughs> Nikki time. <laughs> <laughs> Your feelings on Dumbledore are in this He's place. a douchebag Dumbledore the douche uh, I'm sorry I mean yes he apologized and everything like that But like seriously You can't like Harry's so important To your cause and everything like that And you just leave him in the dark Yes I understand there's a fear there and everything like that But you got But if you want, really thought that that was a problem he, Dumbledore should have started teaching Harry Occlumency immediately If he realized that was a problem right? Or even thought that was a problem and just the way he treats Harry throughout the book, it's just like, dude, do you like, think- cut him a break or exp- or ha- or like write him a letter explaining what's going on? Like, Harry, for your own safety and the safety of the order and everything like that, we can't be in touch currently until I figure some shit out. Harry would not have he would not have accepted that. He would have thought that was I, a cop out ending. But it would have been something though. It would have been something, something just yeah. something. I mean, that's what Harry was really looking for, just something. I don't know. You know, once he gets something, he wants more of it. Of course, but now... But just someone or some... Like, just some sign that Dumbledore understands where Harry is and understands that... And he Dumbledore just should have somehow figured out how to explain to Harry what the hell was going on. Right. Now, do you think he should have been taught him... Should have taught him occlumency? Yes. It would have been much easier than Snape because... Even Dumbledore admitted towards the end of the book, Snape had he thought Snape could get over his hatred towards James, James, and it he didn't. You think he absolutely despised James, and he absolutely despised Harry, and he's like, "That's kind of my fault because I thought Snape think, would have grown up." You think being that Lily's son would have overcame that, but obviously it didn't. He's sadly. a spitting image of James. If he was like personality he, and looks wise, yes. If he, and the only thing is, is his mother's eyes. But if he was we'll like, get to those yes. eyes in the movies later on. Don't worry. Oh yes, but um, if he was like, I guess if he looked like Lily, it would have been a little different. But I don't know. He he's exactly like James, so that's why. But yes, I think Dumbledore should have done something more than what Dumbledore did. Well, all right. One last thing, then we'll go to Nikki. The the duel between Voldemort and oh my god, amazing! That is probably oh, it was just like yes. You're probably flapping through the pages and everything. (laughs) (laughs) And I cannot wait to the movie because I think that movie is probably one of the best adaptation moments in any of the movies. I have not seen the fifth movie yet, so I'm really looking forward to that. It is perfection, and there's a moment where... Skip through everything up to that point. can't watch that part because we want to hear your reaction to it the first time Uh. you see it. So, okay, I promise you I won't see the movie until I watch it with you guys. You guys better watch the, watch the movies pro- previously so you guys can talk about stuff. Uh, okay, <laughs> and just the one thing I will mention about that scene is that when he enters the scene, you just see Voldemort's face is kind of drop slightly. And he's like, all right. That's so like... Yeah, because it's a real, like, it's a real uh, fear. Like, like, this have. is like years in the making yeah. at that point, but your feelings don't um, go to this book. Well, just when um, when you said that you think it would have been easier for Snape if, if he looked more like Lily, I don't think that's true. I think his hatred mm-hmm. for James, for James's attitude, which Harry does embody in many forms, mm-hmm. I don't know if he would have got over that. First of all, you have to realize this guy has hated Harry since the first book so Dumbledore's lack of oversight like hey like I know he's looking out for this kid and he's really trying to help him but he does it in the meanest nastiest way which is why like I have a lot of issues with Snape but I don't think trusting him with something like okay hey Harry I need you to be vulnerable with me even though I'm an asshole to you all the time Mm -hmm. like you can't expect that from either one of them because now you're asking Snape to open up your mind to Harry because 
the way I imagine occupancy to work is that there is a chance, like it does in the book, that you end up flip-flopping. Like, the the memories flip-flop. But, like, because you're training someone. It's just like when you're training, like, you you can train a person in any job. You might make a mistake because you're training because you're so used to doing it that, like, you're trying to explain something to someone and it's like, oh, fuck, that's not how you do it. And I just think, like, Dumbledore just makes so many mistakes in this book. However, the thing that I do like about Dumbledore, um, in the movies you already see, like, angry Dumbledore, but this is, like, power Dumbledore. Like, this is when Dumbledore in the books, it's like, wait a minute, he is not that wise, feeble old man. Like, there is so much shit that Dumbledore does in this book that you're just like, yes, Dumbledore, get it! Like, um, when he is in his office and they're like he's like oh did you think i would come quietly quietly. and i'm like yes you escape boy get it like you got to admit mister dumbledore has has some style style. (laughs) that is such because i love that too because you know that like every time uh i can't even say it phineas like has to help dumbledore he like hates him a little bit more like i feel like uh phineas and snape have, like, these really interesting uh, overlapping qualities. But it's just, like, every time Dumbledore's like, hey, can you do this? And he's just like, do I have to? So for him to give Dumbledore a compliment is more so fitting than all the other headmasters and yeah. mistresses that are like, oh, yes, we idolize you, Dumbledore. Because, like... It's, it's his personality. Yeah. It's so it's, it's to have, like, somebody who, like, is not a complimentary person. Like, even poor Harry is, like, venting to himself thinking he's alone. He's, like, first son of madness stuck to his mom's own head. And I'm like, that's fucked up because he doesn't even know you're in that picture frame. <laughs> so now he thinks he's even crazier when he's not crazy. You're a fucking person in that picture frame. So, yeah. But, like, uh, yeah, Dumbledore is just, like, fucking beast in this. And you see that. Um, and then you, you start to see that decline in the next book because... Uh, I think you realize his age in the next one. So this is like, this is Dumbledore's book for for his character, not his relationship with Harry. Because Harry treats Harry, I'm sorry, it's a 15-year-old kid. Like, they, if you're not going to explain any kind of, you're going to leave him in the dark, completely in the dark, but expect such great things from him. Like, don't lose your temper. Don't leave this house that you hate. Don't do this. Don't do that. Okay, like, uh, I got you out of this. I'm going to bounce. Like, you can't just be like, bye, like, trust me. Like, and you would think he would just blindly trust Dumbledore, but that's not Harry's MO, ever. Quid pro, uh, quid pro quo, Dumbledore. Quid pro quo. Those answers are not on those cheap shoes, Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to... I have to <laughs> yeah, just take a breather, but I just want to add one thing with the whole occlumency with... Um, it, like part of the part of what I gathered from Occlumency, part of the developing it, is to meditate, release all the stresses in your mind, and just go into like a happy place every night before bed and once waking up. So the whole meditation was part of it. I think Harry would have been more receptive to actually do that if Dumbledore was saying, "Harry, I need, before you go to bed and be, uh, before Relax. you get out of bed, just meditate, release all the stresses from your mind, and just." Just go to that happy place and everything. With Snape saying, yes, Potter, I need you to meditate and be back here so for another ass-kicking, motherfucker. It's like, fuck you, motherfucker. Now, do you think Snape meditates before he goes to bed every night? mm, I think he's beyond that point, though. Snape is so proficient in... Yeah, he, he just he he has that I mean he's so good at occlumency that he can even fool Voldemort. Right. And 
he is a double agent, so he has to be able to close off his mind. Whereas Harry, he's in all kinds of agents. There's just so many sides. He's an octagon agent. Like I'm working for you, but I'm working for them. But I'm really working for you. And then I'm actually working for myself and my selfish thoughts. Yeah, but and that's like another thing too. Like when you tell somebody to calm down, especially someone like Harry, who's known to be emotional, like. That's you're gonna have the side fact, and think about it. Fifteen year old kid with all this shit going around, like yeah, just just calm your mind, Harry. Like no big, like maybe give him a fucking joint, and he'd be able to do this. But you can't just expect him to be like, yeah, Harry. Like I know you can't do all of the things that you love, but we want you to be calm and present. Like what are you talking to, like Professor Trelawney? Like what the fuck? I mean, Dumbledore has all those silver objects, and one of them has to be a bong. There was smoke. There was a serpent. Harry, know. Harry, take a hit of this thing. <laughs> it's fucking cray, man. What's his name? Madungus Fletcher. Yes. He definitely was smoking a bong in Grimmauld Place because there. Molly's like, do you have to smoke that thing in here? He was smoking weed. I'm sorry. That's a very Madungus thing to do. Okay, his name is Madungus. Madungus. He's got dung in his name. He is smoking weed. <laughs> All right. Since we're talking about releasing of stress, <laughs> this is a joke that Dakota and I have talked about since, like, the second book. Uh-oh. Other than smoking weed. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's making so much uncomfortable when you saying that. Do you think <laughs> Harry should have relieved stress in other ways? Yeah, nope. Wasn't ready for that. I was not expecting You know, that. J.K. doesn't explain a lot of things, like bathroom and stuff like that, so he probably did. Do you think he should have Especially done... with images, thinking about Cho and Ginny. A crying Cho? Like, I don't think it would have worked. <laughs> no, but like, his image... I, I, I have a card to this joke. I'll tell you off mic when it comes to the crying and sexual stuff. But Uh-oh. moving on. Oh my god. No, but his like, thoughts of Cho, like, being that hot seeker, like, oh, she writes that... She, yeah, you ride that broom. No, try to keep it, try to mm. keep it, try to keep it somewhat professional. You want to go seek in my pants? <laughs> Hey, Cho, have you ever thought of being a beater? <laughs> oh my god. This is what happens when you open up these doorways, Tim. Dakota just jumps right in. He's like, did yeah, you right, say yeah, yeah, he, polishing a wand? I'm here. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he went through the veil head first with that one, that's for sure. So... Do you think let's try and keep it try and be adults about this? We're saying we're dropping F bombs and everything. It's already rated R. I know, I know, I know, but this is a serious question here. Do you think masturbation should have been a thing that Harry should have considered to relieve stress during this year? I just don't think you could put that in (laughs) a a book like this? I know. uh, Yeah. I mean, realistically. Here's a bottle of lube, Harry. Go ahead. Yes. No teacher ever would ever say that. But then again, you know what? No teacher would also make someone do lines of blood. So, like, really, like... Well, I... that would be how Harry got back. Hand sanitizer on Dolores' yeah. st- <laughs> like <laughs> No, I'm going to fuck with Dolores on bridge. So I see her bottle of hand sanitizer on her desk. I'm going to switch this out. Hopefully nobody notices. <laughs> yeah, I was just, like, vomited. In my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My feelings on Dumbledore before 
That the counts natives are getting restless over here. Yeah, just 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 chuckles over Breathe. there. <laughs> oh, that's gross. I agree. <laughs> However, Dumbledore should have reached out to Harry at one point, even if he yeah. doesn't make eye contact and it's like, I don't know, conjure up a goddamn confessional at that Something, point. Yeah. So he could have a conversation with him. So it's not like he like at least his friends, even though they were like cryptic letters and stuff. It's like we, you know, we'll talk to you soon. We'll do like all I had to literally said was let me figure some shit out, Harry, and I will get to you as soon as I can. And he doesn't do anything, anything to give him any kind of inkling that like, like he had no idea Dumbledore was showing up to the hearing. No, I so, mean, like, even, but just even give, just give him just like I said before, just give him something to go on. I mean, that's why I totally agree with Harry smashing up his office at the end of that book because I would have been there at that point if I lost a family member due to his negligence of not explaining things to me and that things that could have changed a course of events that would have prevented me from going there and causing this trap to go off. I would have smashed his office too. And I like the fact that Dumbledore is like, you know what? You really actually do need this. So by all means, I have too much stuff anyway and allows him to smash up his office. That buying's still a little douchey. Do you think that's a little, just like a it's little... It's a little... I, I know what he was saying, but to me it reads douchey. Like, if you want to smash my belongings, go ahead. I think I have far too many possessions anyway. I didn't find it douchey. I think at that point he's just like, Harry, whatever I mean, you I need. You know, like... I understand. Just... Go until you're yeah. done. Go, go until you're done. I mean, I understand that part of it, but he could have delivered it a little bit differently. I think. I don't know. I guess I just always read it in like a like a Dumbledore voice. So like I like if Snape said that, I would find it probably the ultimate douche line okay, ever. So yeah, like I think it's just like how you how you read it. I just don't picture Dumbledore ever sounding super douchey, except for like when he's talking to Cornel- uh, Cornelius he might, he Fudge. Might come off pretentious maybe or not purposely pretentious but oh, like genius pretentious. yeah where you just can't help but kind of like end up talking down a little bit but it leads <clears throat> Dumbledore at the end of this book leads off to uh, Half-Blood Prince has become my second favorite in the series and I love the relationship that Harry and, and uh, Dumbledore has in that but that relationship is made stronger due to the trials and tribulations that goes on in this book I agree so I appreciate this book more for that. I would have to agree to that. I have to agree to that because at the very end of the book where Dumbledore really like, you've been through so much and I really, and he levels with them. Yeah. I'm going to be straight with you for the first time since you know, you've known since the, the, the end of your first year in your hospital. Yeah. I'm going to be straight with you when I should have been straight with you from the beginning. Right. And okay. So moving on, we're looking at kind of just in Paris now. So Ginny and Cho. The, the women in Harry's life. Okay. Jay doesn't really get much attention. Not to... Because Harry was Harry was into into Cho. Right. So he didn't pay much attention to Ginny. Ginny is obviously becoming more of a character at this point where she's there. She's she's actually a real... Like, she's a kind of girl version of Fred and George. Mm-hmm. And she kind of sounds like a really cool girl like you can hang out with. And you can totally understand how... Harry finds her attractive and everything like that, but right. but she wasn't the focal point of like the the girl, love interest in this book. It was Cho because she, Harry had a crush on Cho since the 
kind of since the third book. Yeah, when he first noticed her. He first noticed her and then really grew in the fourth book. And now the opportunity is there to actually date her in the fifth book. But there's a, and there's she, a dead Robert Patterson in between the two of them. She, well, that's more... I mean, I understand that. But at the same time, Cho really messed that up because she just couldn't help. Did he, did he say he talk about me before he died? It's like, I thought we were having a moment here, but now we're talking about this. No, because he was like, why are we in a grave? <laughs> dead. Just like that. Just like that. Ouch. That was rough. Not gonna lie. That was rough. Uh, well, that's, I agree a thousand percent. I actually like that Ginny has backed off and Ginny's like dating other people and she's letting her personality show because had she always been like so obsessed with Harry to the, like where she was afraid to talk to him, um, they never would have been a thing. She literally would have been kind of like this background noise to Harry. Um, so the fact that she's her own person and she's coming into her own in this book is fun to see. Um, and then Cho, it's just one of those things. I think I, I like how JK did it because it's, it's a timing thing. It's a thousand percent a timing thing, just like it was with the last book. Because if Harry had asked Cho to the U-Ball before Cedric, things would have possibly been different. But then, you know, just like real life, you know, like you meet people and you, you try these things and the timing's not right and it's for the better. He ends up with someone who's much better suited than Cho and you gotta... A much more mature woman because yeah. she's had a few relationships before that. That's, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to like degrade Ginny in that way. No, but no, like, she's just dating. Like, there, I yeah. mean, there's never... You never get kind of like any sexual overtones in like... Um, in Ginny's like storyline I just think like I, I feel bad for Cho like you think about it, she just like Hermione puts it she's like you know she really fell for Cedric then he dies so she feels awful about that but then she kind of has these feelings for Harry but Harry saw him die so now she feels guilty so there's a lot going on for this poor girl because you think about it, she's 16 like, yeah. this is not like yeah. this is a rough time for her to go through this and so yeah and then like I think the icing on the cake was that stupid girl Moretta or whatever, the sneak, the one with the uh, yes. the one that ratted them out for Dumbledore's <laughs> army. Yeah, because like then you know they were already on this really rough patch, Harry and Cho, and then obviously Harry's gonna be like, "Yo, like I'm taking Dumbledore's side. I'm not gonna side with your stupid friend that didn't even want to you know be there." Cho sided with her friend because that's her friend, and yeah, yeah she was. She was stupid and everything like that, but and she, she immediately she does regret everything she has done. Yeah, and Cho regrets bringing her along because she didn't want that to happen. Right, but she's still her friend, so she's going to defend her. And Harry's going to be going like I'm going to defend Dumbledore because because of that Dumbledore is not here anymore. Mm. So no, I get it, and I do understand Cho is a 16 year old girl dealing with all these issues because like yeah, your boyfriend died. And dramatically died, and not died, murdered. Yeah, there's way of like, like if it was like a car accident or yeah, he tried. He was a banana peel down a flight. He was stairs. flat out murdered. Yeah, yeah. Anvil dropped on him. Different, different murder. There has been a murder here, and, and you. you're the suspect. Oh, okay. great boss! I'll be right back. <laughs> uh, that was a great episode. Of I Office. love that episode of Office. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, I, Cho's okay. Yeah. Ginny, I do like how Ginny comes back. Yeah. Is it bad that every time we say murder, I think of, like, Coral in the first movie? Like, there's a troll, 
in a dungeon, but like murder, <laughs> like every sing, single time. It's like a very sing-song way yes, of singing like it. Every single time. Um, I I like the fact that Harry gets to have his first like intimate experiences with a woman with show and stuff like that. Even though she cried during their kiss, what an like, awful that, first kiss. Memorable. Harry, I mean, you always Harry. have your first kiss, yes, but that's that's distinctive. How, what was it like, Harry? What? It was. What? Oh, no, it's because she was crying. Like, oh. Oh. Like, this... It's it's Wednesday afternoon. Harry's down at the bar. I'm at my first kiss. The girl was crying during it. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> Permanent whiskey oh, face. To, like, like, a, the like to, like, the... Yeah. No, like, the bartender telling a story. Like, that's... That's the shit people really do tell you, too. Like, I don't need to know about this, but okay. Albus, I'll tell you something. Yeah. About Son. women. About women. Never kiss a girl. If you're, I'm going to take a context right there. Never kiss a girl with a lot of baggage. Here's a story for you. It was Christmas underneath the mistletoe, and this girl Cho Chang. Dot dot dot. <laughs> Ginny walks the room. <laughs> Daddy, but who's Cho? Ah. Uh, how about those goddamn uh, goddamn United? United. How how are they doing this year? Yeah, yeah. My Chudley like Cannons? Me. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're suck as they get. Yeah. Oh, she's gone. Okay. Let's talk about this. <laughs> well, that's. He. We would have to imagine that Elvis would end up going to school with Cho Chang's kids. Kids. Like, they'd end up at Hogwarts, too. So, assuming that they she gets married and Which, has kids. What happens if they fall, like, kind of hook up with Draco's kids? <laughs> I just have a funny feeling Draco's going to be scarred for the rest of his life and, like, never mate and just die in a hole by himself. Yeah, he had a kid. Yeah. Nobody should just die in a hole yeah. No, we have, we have problems with the epilogue. We'll get yeah. there eventually. That should be a whole episode on its own. But my feeling, like I was saying, going back to Cho Chang and Ginny, like, it's interesting that, like, that Harry, despite all the things that are thrown at Harry, that Harry's the most stable of those two. Uh, in that between that Joe and that Harry relationship, that he's the stable one, and he even he realizes like, whoa, I got things going on, but at least I am a little more connected, or at least like held together better. Yeah. Maybe it's because dude, the confidence boosted because of him teaching in Dumbledore's army, and then there is a hint of jealousy. It's the Irish in him; he just balls it all up. It's it's <laughs> true. Um... And then, like, Ginny kind of gets a slightly jealous by it, but doesn't let it consume her that she goes out to have a relationship. Yeah. It's not out of spite, either. No, it's just it's she, not like, she it's not like, living her life. It's like, Harry, like, say if Harry's his microphone, and, like, Ginny's like, oh, like, oh, oh like, don't mind me. I am right no, here, PDAing not, right now. Don't do that. No. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I under, like, I understand what you're trying to do, but, like, no. That was super awkward. <laughs> Maybe yeah, with air. Yes. <laughs> kind of like, um... Wayne's World with his ex-girlfriend like hooking up with random guys at bars and they <laughs> doing horrible stuff. I have a present for you. If it's a separate head, I'm going to be very upset. A gun rack. I don't have... What am I going to do with a, with a gun rack? I don't have a gun, let alone enough to ward an entire rack. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Like them in this book, despite all the weird things that happened. Uh, Luna and Neville. I know we talked about Luna briefly yeah, and we talked about Neville, but... Uh, Neville really steps up to play in this book. Yes. Neville's awesome. Yes. Neville really starting to shine why he's in Gryffindor. And he really, you really understand his motivations behind it in this book. I mean, they touch on it in the fourth book, but you really see how it affects him. Right. 
And you have a really touching moment at St. Mungo's, too, where he's, he visits his mom and dad, and his mom is mentally ill now. To, oh, it's a heartbreaking chapter. It's right heartbreaking, now. and you just can't help but cry to the point where his mom hands him a bubblegum wrapper, and he really, like, cherishes the fact that he was his mother gave him something. something. And it was just like, dude, the feels. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, oh. But that's why I love Neville. And Luna, I absolutely love Luna. Yes. She is great. She's she's very she's comical because she's so off the wall, but her dedication and her her dedication, her loyalty and everything that comes with it is great. And you would never have been introduced to her unless Ginny has said, Oh, that's Luna. She's cool. Yeah. Re- Ginny reading, knew. Reading she was reading the Cribble upside down, correct? Yes. Okay. Because there was some code in the runes and right. stuff like that. And but, no, I absolutely love Luna. Absolutely thought she, great addition. And also the fact that at the very end of the book, you can't help but feel sad for her when she's looking for all her stuff. And she's like, eh, it happens to me all the time, though. And it's like, you shouldn't have it shouldn't happen to you all the time. Like, Luna, let me give you a hug. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and I also feel like she's one of those kids like in high school that like, Everybody was like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. They're strange, but, like, flourish after high school. Yes. Like, they reach college and just, like, life is now their oyster and everything that was, like, almost kind of, like, bullied, like, they were bullied for uh, is actually what they're loved for. So I, I would hope that the Wizarding World is kind of Luna. It should be because she, honestly, she really is one of those characters. I just enjoy her and I love, I guess, like, quirky people in general. So, like... That kind of energy is, and I think it's what Harry needed because you look at even, I mean, Ron is funny, but like you don't have any kind of like quirky, weird energy. And I think he honestly needed that to be like, okay, life gets weird sometimes, but at least like, you know, I'm not worried about crumpled horns, Snorlax. Right. And then Neville is awesome. Neville, like, especially after that whole scene uh, in St. Mungo's, how uh hard he works at defense against the dark darts well especially after bellatrix breaks out Mm -hmm. and like the fact that i think too neville people underestimate like neville learns we always think neville's like really slow and he can't do these things he learns he just needs the right teacher so harry was the right teacher for neville with defense against the dark darts and then even surprisingly so is moody because moody like in the books, uh, yeah. took time to kind of, hey, read this, mm-hmm. hey, read that. Recognize what kind of student he yeah. was and change for that. And it literally, sometimes it just takes a different teaching style and, like, people flourish. So people kept saying, oh, Neville can't do this, Neville can't do that. No, Neville can do it. It just takes Neville a little bit uh, of a different path. And so, yeah, I like that you get to see for for once. And, like, even at one point they say uh, Hermione gets, is it the, it's not the stunning what charm was it that Hermione got it first and then Neville was the second person? Patronus? No. No, no. no. It, was not stu- it wasn't Stupefy? Uh, uh, I don't think so. I'm going to look. I'll look. Oh, see. well, you do that. Yeah. Um, well, but going back to Neville real quick, remember he was the last one standing with Harriet in the Department of Mysteries. Yeah. And he was he was hurting and everything like that. Blo- broken ne- nose, bloody everywhere, and he was not going to abandon Harry until the fight was over. And that's why you could argue the prophecy, which is like the big MacGuffin of this story, yes. was about those two kids. Yes, which at, in high, after you learn that, it's actually like the last stand was between the chosen one and the could-be chosen one. Yeah. And, which was really, I thought, was 
brilliant writing on J.K. Rowling's part. Right. Yeah. And like I was saying, my feelings on Luna and Neville is like, like you, like Nikki was saying, need that quirky kind of comic relief to break up the tension of this book. And that she brings this kind of like, like say if this is a very traditional college, she would be the art student for sure. Yes. And just be out there and stuff like that. And it would just be in the or so, she Or she's the science student that trying to prove everything that's not real. Yeah. And that she's so convict has such convictions about herself like that that it's just like i can't help but uh admire her for that mm-hmm. and she has one of my favorite moments during the quidditch match when she comes out to support gryffindor that she has the giant, giant lion on the head and you hear the lions roar, roar, <laughs> like just, silence the other yeah, team just because, the mgm lion just that's on her exactly head. <laughs> what i imagine on top of her head <laughs> and, uh, and another referencing the unusual suspect again when he was t- making fun of the order of phoenix movie and looked like Luna looked like she's ready in the poor West End rendition of Lion King right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was like, oh my god, he's so right there. Um, and then, you dropped something. I know I dropped my I dropped my pre-production notes here. Uh, uh, it's the shield charm. He masters this, uh, the shield charm second. Hermione is the only one that gets it before him. Hermione actually trips off on the Patronus charm later. What are you saying? What are you saying? Hermione trips up on the Patronus charm. And then I thought it was a little funny because reading the seventh book over again, uh, when they're breaking out of the Ministry of Magic, and Harry's like, Hermione, do a Patronus charm. And she's like, eh. And she can't do it at first. And like, there's like this awkward, like, do it again. <laughs> and then she gets the honor out. And Harry just goes to like the random the woman that was on trial. She, she always struggled with that one. <laughs> and with Neville, like we were saying before, that having him coming into his own, having him much like Ron develop his own personality. Like we've seen the fragments here and there, but this is when it comes full force. And like Nikki was saying, like once Bellatrix has escaped, it almost is like he deserves his own Rocky montage of him getting ready. I just want to see Neville on top of a mountain and just scream like, you know, like he screams Drago and Rocky Four, like Bellatrix an echo throughout Hogwarts at that point. <laughs> I'm gonna make hey, it. Hey, the bell cheeks the studs. Never think you're training too hard. Maybe I think you're right. Falls asleep. Luna! That's how. It, that's how he goes. I literally like yawned. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's beat the shit out of the, he's beat the department of ministries and like Neville, I didn't hear a bell, guys. Luna! <laughs> Neville, Luna! I'm over here, man. Oh, okay. Right next to him. <laughs> yeah, a, his eyes are swollen shut. Anyway, so it's glad to see him become really an instrumental part of a Dumbledore's army. And the seeds are kind of planted, obviously, with the prophecy that's brought up. That we'll see play out through the sixth and seventh book, especially the seventh book. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, moving on to Fred and George. The uh, Hellraisers in the every sense of the word in this last book. Best fucking... This was their book. I loved... And you know what? They took being banned from Quidditch a lot better than I thought they would. Oh, yeah. Because that's really... When you think about it, it's one of the very, very few things that were keeping them at Hogwarts. And the fact that they were so like, what else about it? If they didn't have the store, they would probably have flipped Uh, out a lot earlier. It's also one of the things that Fred and George are extremely serious about. Like, they're very lollygagging about everything. But when it comes to Quidditch, they're very serious about it. 
And you have to think they have to make excellent beaters because they have that like twin flow, you know? Like so it's not even just so much that they're super talented, but the fact that they're twins, like they're in sync, they're simpatico. Um good word to use. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that I don't struggle on words like that, but I can't say simple words like shields. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, no, Fred and jo- and uh the joke shop, like I just think that was an excellent because like what else would you like two really really smart wizards because they are really smart they just don't apply care themselves about yeah it's like stuff they care about they're able to do it because you think about some of the magic like even Hermione's just like how do they get the hat to take your head off like they had to, she have to bewitch it so that the invisibility like perimeter is expanded and how do they do this and so for her to be marveling at that like that's that takes some stuff you know and like they're literally just such a fun and oh man when peeves salutes them peeves who never ever listens to a student ever like takes like their mission statement with Too honor right. yeah like that if i'm like yes and I think that was such a good. I love that they decide to like rebel when they're like, "Haha, let's make the headmistress well, suffer." But Peeves saluting him, I think it's because like he, they've accomplished so much mischief that he yeah. could only dream about doing to the point where it's like, "I have nothing but respect to you, and in your honor, I will continue the fight." Yeah, he has to up his game. I at have that picked point. up the. I have taken the baton, and I'm going to run with it. But no, I like Fred and George are great. Um, they really are great, and like you do see, and you have to applaud the risks they were taking with their like the candy line because like they're really going to mess themselves up if they can't figure figure it out. Yeah, I mean, the, one of my funny favorite moments was Quidditch practice where they came up with the boils uh, one. Yeah, uh, like you ha- you break out into boils after you eat it. So that's the problem is you haven't figured out how to get rid of the boils. You're like. <laughs> I don't see any boils on your face. On, not, on no, my no. face, it's not a place where you sh- where you see where you parade around, where you don't show off. Around. And then after pr- practice, they're both walking in bow legged and like. S- oh. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine that long oh. trek up the hill. Oh my back, god! <laughs> back to the uh, back to Hogwarts at that point. Uh, just just you're just like oh, but like yeah, I love them with the the portable swamp. Yeah, and just how the teachers reacted to it too, was and they, and, they, and like was it, it was Flitwick that got rid of it eventually, and he was like at the very end. But yeah, it was a simple, simple Wait, little yeah, bit of magic. Of, like, I can't figure it out, Headmaster. I can't figure out and for the life of me. Have to have Filch hurl throw kids across the swamp to get to classes, <laughs> or like trek them across. I don't yeah. remember. But then like Flitwick saves a little bit of swamp for them. Yeah, uh, and then also like the. Um, the firework dragons, and you blow them up, and they just multiply. And then, um, what is the name for the ear? Uh, Extendable ears. Which comes in oh incredible God. use throughout, the, especially the seventh book. From this, mo- this book on, it's extremely useful. Yeah. And... Well, and then later, like, next book you see their whole line about defense against the dark arts. Uh, yeah. Like, the, the Imperatrice Black um, spells and things like that. Like, they... They're so clever, and like even I mean yeah. I think it said like seven different times. They're like, how did they not get more OWLs? Because they they really should have. They're so clever. They didn't care. They about just them. didn't care. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean you really did, and especially the sixth book when they said like, oh yeah, even the Ministry of Magic's approaching us with some of our product line for like shield charms and shield cloaks and stuff like that, and then all this portable other stuff. Mm-hmm. It was really clever. 
I love them. I mean, the one thing I was kind of like when I was a kid or as a student, if it's something, if a subject really interests me, I excelled <laughs> in. If it's class that I didn't really have an interest in, I barely <laughs> made it through. Right. And so I, I and see where you're coming from, and I kind of identified with that a little bit with Fred and George. And the fact that, like, you, like Nikki was saying, that they took the them being barred from or banned from Quidditch after the fight that breaks out after the game um, so well, and it's surprised they didn't just like, all right, well, fine, and blow up the school. Well, you point. can tell that they were extremely upset about it right because it's one thing yeah. that they took serious but the, do you think the joke shop was not ready and that's why they stayed i think they were just finishing research i think they were just finishing research and i think they wanted a reason to go out with a bang mm. i think they were literally waiting for just the right moment um because they the newts were useless to them they were waiting for to have a secure location which was like what like 99 like diagon alley or something. I think it's like right here. Um, but yeah, they're new. 93 Diagon Alley. So I think they were waiting to get a site for their joke shop and they wanted every product like perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, and where are you going to get an endless supply of test subjects other than at Hogwarts? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was, how can we make our, our legacy of jokeness of uh, rebellion and make sure that they set their jokes up up like that's the best marketing campaign you could ever ask yeah because for, everybody's right? like oh i like, want hey, that guys, and like, like oh you want those dragons yeah. come to our shop yeah. actually, i feel bad for um lee thomas because mm-hmm. he once they left they even said like he just looked lost and like sad because like his two best friends are now gone so yeah. he's like who do i talk to who do mm-hmm. i hang out with Hanging out with, uh, what was the name of the uh, knight with the... Uh... Circuit Duggan. Sir, yeah. <laughs> That's the only person you can hang out with. Stand and fight, you cowards! I've been standing here all the time, Circuit Duggan. Oh, okay. So, my final words on Fred and George. Love them. And uh, they're probably the only successful business over the summer in Diagon Alley as the events of the sixth book plays out. Yeah. Um, last like big hero we'll talk about, then we'll jump into the villains, is Hagrid. Hagrid's, uh... Hagrid's, uh, Hagrid's life story. Um, I, w- I wish he would have thought... He's another one that if he just thought things out a little bit better, um, life would be so much easier for them. Uh, but even when he comes back, like, Hermione's like, I will literally plan your lessons for you. Let me do it. But he doesn't take it serious. He's like, oh, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, until yeah, until he already gets put on probation, which I mean, really, I, she she was gunning for him anyway. Yeah, but like it would have made it a lot easier for himself if he just listened. Um, but then like the injuries would grow Like it's like, damn it, Hagrid! Like you don't think these things through. Like you're already kind of coming home late. And I get it. It's family. It's the only family he has left now. Um, but oh man, and say Hagrid. if. if- if Harry found out that he had a giant family member, Finger. literally, do you think Harry would have done the same? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so... A lot of them would have done the same, because even, um, you know, they didn't want to give up on Percy. Percy literally, like... Abandons them. Abandons them. Like, they all, they tried, even though they thought he was a big prat. Like, so, I, like, I know, like, I don't know why I did it, but it's just like, damn, like, you know you're bringing it. And to bring, go out back to Hogwarts... 
this is what I think my biggest issue because you know how temperamental actually you know what he didn't really realize how big so maybe I forgive him a little bit more but he didn't realize how temperamental things were at Hogwarts when he brought back Wob because I think he thought okay Dumbledore like if I do get caught with this Dumbledore will understand but here he, he literally comes back like what like three months into the semester at yeah, that like point right before Dumbledore leaves yeah so yeah. What were we saying again? He, September 1st is the start of term. He doesn't come back until there's like a lot of snow on the ground, so right before Christmas. Right. What? Oh, so are you done? Okay. Yes, uh, Hagrid did not think about bringing Rop back through. No. However, if you know the 6th and 7th book, you have to yeah. applaud his efforts because he does train Grop to be civilized. Yes, to an extent. But more to more than, to than, the, more than, than the anyone has they, ever expected. Yeah, more than the giants they dealt with over the summer. But that's also Hagrid's thing. Hagrid takes these creatures that nobody else can domesticate and domesticate them. Because you look at the Thestrals. Like, Hogwarts is the only place that has so trained the Thestrals. Mm-hmm. So, so much so they let strangers ride them from across the countryside. Yeah. It, the more, I think, Hagrid thrives with the more dangerous the creature the better so that's why when things like like you could tell he like kind of gave up when he did like the flubber worms but like the more dangerous the creature the more Hagrid thrives and he that's why he doesn't understand like why like wait you don't want to do you don't want this lesson on you know like these dangerous creatures you want something as boring as like um what is it what did he br- bring the Jack Russell-looking things with the fork, the crook. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? No. Fact checker. I could probably don't. You don't have to bring it out. I'm sure I could find it. But Dakota, your feelings on Hagrid? Oh, I love Hagrid. He, I mean, you can't hate Hagrid. I mean, you just feel like, oh, Hagrid. Think about it. Like you feel Hermione straining a lot. So, like, just mm-hmm. put two and two together. This is not going to work. This is not a good idea. But you got to take into consideration the efforts he did to find Grop in the first place, dealing with all the giants in the oh, mountains yeah. in the middle of nowhere. But with, that's Hagrid, though. I mean, he with Madame so, Maxine at it. Yeah. He has to protect. And she, she wasn't. I don't know how much effort she if she per, um, tried to stop Hagrid from doing it at all. But apparently, no. She, she probably felt that felt just she probably. I think she would have been the. She's definitely the person that would have known exactly how Hag was feeling at that point. Yeah, and, and like you got to think of the point that she now admits to the fact that she is part giant, and yeah. that she feels maybe slight guilt of the fact that she was not being her true self at that point. It, it seems like guilty a, that she got angry at Hagrid. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's you know. a lot of identity crises going on in this book, whether it be people coming into who they're going to be with, like Neville, uh, Luna, Ron. As well as Hag- Hagrid's dealing with his what his family and what his lineage is and trying to change that. Madame Maxine finding out, well, accepting the fact of who she really is and respecting the fact that what Harry wants to do. And I just, like, you got to think of, all right, see, think of the centaurs or anything like that or any other magical creature in the Dark Forest. And all of a sudden, a 18-foot giant is now amongst you. Yeah. How anything else would you think? About? How do you think would have Aragog would have reacted to something like that? Eat or it. yeah, or or the unicorn, <laughs> pretty much, or the unicorns, or anything like that. Pretty unicorn. <laughs> so, but also, I love the moment where 
Umber just had her hatred out for Hagrid. Goes down there with a, a goon squad to uh, arrest him at that point. Mm-hmm. And I love the restraint that Rowling has. She never cuts to down on seeing from ground level that battle. We only see it from the observatory the, yeah. tower watching it as their OWS is going on. Even to the point that the teacher is trying to keep everybody concentrated on their astrology, like, but failing. And, but it, it's a full-on race war that's going on down there. That yeah. she has to and then McGonagall getting like coming out to Hagrid's Defend defense, and she gets nailed with like what five stunning charms. And Hagrid flips out and starts chucking things across the campus. Pretty oh much. my god! Yeah. And then they hit Fang, and he just completely lost it. And he picks him up and runs him off into the woods, and. I don't know. I think it's one, probably one of my favorite chapters in this book is that it, moment there. Oh, yeah. Now, since we brought up Umbridge so much, let's move on to the villains. Let's talk about <laughs> evil incarnate. I hate this bitch. Even before we started, like before you got here, I was like, I forgot how much exactly I hated her until I started reading. Like, think of every worst quality in any person that you dislike. She has them all. She is literally the person of like frication of the wizarding like racist uh power hungry bitch like she's just a bitch There's and no... she doesn't think she's doing anything wrong that's no. the weird thing and she has no qualms like not even a single ounce of like hey like this is kids that we're talking to like the fact that she makes these and it's not just harry because like i think it would be kind of i don't want to say better that it's just harry but like I-, I think it would make more sense if it was just harry no she literally makes uh, Lee Jordan does it too. Lee, jo- and that's when yeah, but he made a, like a, a dumb joke to her, like when she prohibits all the teachers from talking about uh, not well, can't yeah. talk about anything besides the subject. So he was like, "Well, so you can't tell us off for playing exploding snap in the back room," and then he pretty much gets attention to write, "I will not be wise as." Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not just Harry that has to write because, like, Harry's causing. I would have to say Harry is, like, the most outspoken. Everybody else is a lot more subtle about how they feel about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but Harry, like, it makes sense to have Harry write that I must not have lies in this super torturous way. Because, that really, Harry is the biggest outright enemy. But Lee Jordan literally just had, like, a wise cheek, you know? Like, why does he have to write it? Which is actually why they, that's how they get the idea for the the essence of Merlap or whatever for the boils. That's how they perfect yes, the boils. Right. It's yes. because Harry's like, Hey, I know what you're going through. Try this. But her detentions or the fact that she gives Filch permission to whoop, like whoop kids. Like these are fucking kids. They're still kids. Except for, to whip. To <laughs> <sighs> like, I just can't. And like the fact she wanted to, like, she's a campaign to round up all the mer people and have them tagged. Like, the fact that Remus can't get a job is because of her. Like, I hate her down to my very, like, I almost hate her more than Voldemort. And I hate that I have to say that. But she's literally that say, awful. Say what you will. Even Snape had his moments mm-hmm. of humanity and yeah. good and decency. Umbridge has none of that. Nothing. There's no redeeming. Like, and the fact that everything is so pink and so girly. Like, she's this just, innocent little. It, yeah. I wish you could see my face because I feel like it's probably the most hideous. Like, just like I know. I I can't. There's not one ounce of me that feels bad for what happens to her. Nope. You deserved everything. And it's like once she got an inch of power she took a mile yeah and the fact that cornelius let her wrap him 
around her big fat stubby pinky is so disgusting to me like you're the minister of fucking magic like keep this woman in check like where's the checks and balances people that's how i really feel though <laughs> what she said <laughs> <laughs> no uh no i absolutely hated umbridge and i totally agree she deserved everything she got i mean yes terry and george Right? Was it George and Harry that beat the crap out of uh, Draco, or was it Fred and Harry? No, Fred didn't do anything. That no, was, so was George. George and, yeah, uh, just, they didn't even really get to—they didn't fully get to beat the crap out of him. No, I don't think they. They got a few good licks apart. in. They got but a they few didn't... licks in, but it wasn't a full-out brawl because um, Madame Hooch did the imp- yeah. the imperious. Yeah, yeah, but I understand when McGonagall had every right to be furious and just mm-hmm. to, like. To, just completely go insane but then umbridge is like do you need my help mechanical and she's like no you, no i don't because it's my house uh, my house my kids well, well, I'm high, well, I'm high inquisitor and because of ministry decree number i can pass judgment on these children it's like you whore and then like you when she when you find out that she sent the uh, which is great when you reread it and how Dumbledore said, oh, no, the Dementors were sent. And that, that subtle hint of that nobody moved, but Umbridge shifted slightly in her chair. Because she's like, oh, God. Somebody's like, oh, she's, she's, she's totally and he's like, Voldemort. And he's just like, oh, thank God. Um, but then her at the very end, is like, someone had to keep you in mind. I could not have you ruining everything for my little purification for Cornelius Fudge. So I had to send those Dementors after you, Harry. Because that's, what we, that's the only way to preserve his image. It's like... That she's oh my willing, god! She's willing to send murderous creatures into a populated area, both of mostly muggles and wizards, just to save face. And, of and a, she an wiped the history of it too, and she justified it. That's fifteen-year-old. She sent the things that guard a prison against a fifteen-year-old. Like, and she has no like. It's oh, I hate her so much. Like every time she opens her mouth with that stupid him, like I just. <laughs> I just want her to shut her whore mouth. <sighs> Bitch. <laughs> I just feel my blood pleasure is climbing right now. Right, now I have that quote in my head from that one movie. You shut that cunt's face before I fuck start her head. Oh. Uh, but no, she would, you wouldn't even want your dick near her. Um, no, she got a lot. She got exactly what was coming to her with those centaurs. Yeah. Yes. If, and like, I just even... don't get the half-breed thing. Like, the half breed thing because she's a half blood. She's she's a half because she's a self loathing half blood, which, which doesn't make any sense when it comes to the seventh book when she's leading the whole um, the whole communist hunt on it. Hitler, she's literally Hitler. She is the Hitler of the Harry Potter universe because it's the biggest hypocrisy ever. Well, Voldemort's a half blood too, so yeah, but like still, like all right. So she's Goebbels. He's Hitler. Yes, <laughs> we'll give let we'll let Voldemort keep his Hitlerness, but like, oh my God, I just don't. She's such a hypocrite, and she's so blinded by her own. Oh my God, <laughs> there's <laughs> times, there's literally times like this that I really am glad that we don't videotape our like podcast sessions because I feel like we get in like a lot of trouble. Probably, yeah. Like I feel like it. Uh, I just I'm glad relief. <sighs> Good taste has never been a. Good thing. Uh, never, never uh, uh, a great amount between Dakota and I when it comes to a podcast. Your moral compass is a little. Well, I, I have a, I have a great 
foundation of my moral compass. Just, just for the sake of humor, I will let that you're fly. Willing, like Fred and George say, you're willing to toe that fine line. Of course. Yes. Oh, man. Oh. I, I, like I said last podcast where you guys blatantly laughed at me for saying, outside this podcast, I'm a pretty decent human being, but you both laughed at me and didn't believe me. You are a decent human being. It's just you when are. we put we are, when we put a big black thing in front of your face, that's when things change. Mm, I love big. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it away. That's your autobiography. <laughs> like that is like, the name. Dakota Wegan, and when you put big black things in front of my face. <laughs> that's that's the author picture on the back of the novel. Oh my right? god, yes, that is it. When you write that, I expect the dedication page to be to me and Tim. Yes. To so, Tim and Nikki, Nikki for always believing. For the, for the Pottercast. Thank you very much. So, Welcome my feelings bitch. on Umbridge now. Yeah, how do you follow uh, those feelings? A lot of feelings you, that happen. You took it. You, like, ran with it. I know. I really, sh- I hate her. That every book has, at least with 4, 5, and 6, has a character that's introduced that is kind of an obstacle for Harry. Mm-hmm. And it gets to both a physical and emotional level for Harry. Last book was Rita Skeeter and all the lies that she spewed with uh, the, the, her with her writing. Now it's with uh, with Umbridge in this book. The thing is, is that she is so self righteous in her own beliefs that that everything that her, what she believes is what the Ministry of Magic should do, and she convinces herself that she's she's doing it for the greater good. The greater, the greater good. good. Thank you. I'm glad somebody gets my hot buzz <laughs> reference there. Um, and that she is such a bigot. That she is such a person who, like, there are, like, you think of, like, bosses that hate young people but respect older employees and stuff like that. She is another one of those things that she has much more patience for teachers. Not much more, but so much patience. No, see, but her patience for teachers, the only p- teacher she has paid for patience for is um grubbly plank because even flitwork who in the beginning like was kind of on the level like as this like term goes on she gets less and less support from him and the less and less support the less she cares for them like there's no real she her respect is for cornelius fudge and cornelius fudge only she doesn't even get respect from snape no, I mean she flat out in his review. She flat out insulted him right in front of his face in front of all the students in his class. And that's where his Oculus like, train came in to meditate himself into a calm state. Like, I will not go up there and fuck it her. Snape has ego. Like Snape has an ego, and she touched that sore, sore subject, and she knew that because it's like, hey, you never get this defense against the dark arts position because i'm not sure nor obviously is dumbledore that you can handle yourself around the dark arts so like he she literally she dove that knife in knife in from the get-go with snape she was holding no fucking punches she was just like i hate you i hate you i hate you you okay hate you i hate you i hate you like she literally there is no stone she leaves unturned except for Filch. I think she, le- but she doesn't know that he's not magical. He's, she has no so she, because she's just like, don't use this spell, and he's all like, okay, but he can't use any spell because he's a squib. 
Um, <laughs> I can just imagine, like, after that review, like, Snape goes to his back room to some really angry well, yoga no, to relax it, himself. He took it out on Harry immediately when he f- messed up his poaches. Oh, no, that's zero, Potter! Yeah! And we joke about what happened, like, what happens to Umbridge at one point is that she is convinced that Dumbledore's army has a secret weapon on the grounds, and Harry and who was who goes with it? it was her, Hermione. It was Hermione say, "Oh yeah, it's out in the woods, and it's an ambush." Knowing that there are things that are going to protect them or stop them, and finds out it's the centaurs. And now we've established the fact that Umbridge hates half breeds, and what is a centaur but a, a clearly a half breed of man and horse? But it. And her own self-righteousness and her own but they're pride. Not, they're technically not half-breeds. No. They're, but they're, they're their own. In her, in in her, her eyes. eyes. Yes. I apologize. I didn't phrase that correctly. Yes. Now. That's like, that's like a Trump. Like Trump with the Mexicans are murderers and rapists and drug lords. It's They have this skewed definition of things and they don't care if there's any exceptions, they don't care if I think, oh man, I think my biggest issue with Umbridge is that I'm so like human rights and like gay rights, transgender rights, right. and like all these different things. And so like, she literally stands for everything that I hate and like that bigotry, that racism, that like, Oh, she stands for everything that I as a person do not stand for. And so when they go out into the woods, into the woods, into the woods, yeah. Um, they're attacked by centaurs, and she is dragged off. Now, if you know your mythology right there, what centaurs do to women is not very pretty. And so a lot of people assume, like, the centaurs do that to Umbridge? And a lot of people probably would say, yes. Do you think it's kind of deserved? I would really love to know when Dumbledore got back to the, when Dumbledore got back to the castle, went to the Forbidden Forest to get Umbridge. Yeah. I would lo- and they never explain how he does it. No. I would just love to know. What he did to get her back. He probably didn't have to do much because the centers probably f- respect him, A, or B, um, fear him. Uh, I think there's a mutual both. Respect. I mean, they sure like, his I, I think there's a fear. Spoilers, and Dumbledore a, dies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think there's a mutual fear slash respect with Dumbledore, which is just like across the board with every magical creature, every magical being. Except no, they do respect him because but he no, speaks a tongue. Well, they no, don't fear, fear him. him. But you, they must fear him to a degree. I think because he is, he can keep them. He obviously had to be able to arrange this. And I feel like if you're just like, hey, like we respect each other, but I don't want your mer people to do what mer people do um, to these champions. Like, I feel like there's a, I, I, there must be like an ounce of, because like with such a great uh, reputation with like just a, a great presence there's an ounce of fear in everyone like even the people that respect like you know the things that greatness that dumbledore can do there has to be a little ounce of fear maybe but if he if dumbledore arranged everything with the mer people and everything like that and he's and he sat he went out of his way to set up everything for them to exist in these locations like for the centaurs to be left alone in the forbidden forest mer people to be left alone in the in the lake like at the same time like Centaurs, I can understand respect with that fear in it, but the Mer people, there's no. Re- if he set that up and to just you know, yeah. live your live a happy life here, you're 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 cool. You're he's no able, one's going to go and bother he's able you. To keep a giant squid in check to not attack the Mer people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just feel like the giant squid is very friendly. That's true. 
I mean, he, this giant squid, squid swims with the students, and, you know, if they're easy pickings, they don't swim as fast. He, he is, re- like, the giant squid's really friendly, but the mer people are not really friendly. So to keep that, there's got to be, like, some kind of animosity between the two. So he has to be able to tread the line. Just, just imagine, like, Elf, like, the squid comes up, like, Bye, students. Hope you have a good summer. Thanks, Mr. Giant Squid. <laughs> <laughs> Like oh my oh, oh my! Oh, you made me ink. <laughs> guys, guys, Cthulhu is waving us. Bye, bye, Cthulhu. So Umbridge, deplorable in every sense of the word, or every sense of like her de- de- definition. She deserves exactly what came to her, and we have not seen the last of her. But the second worst person is what Cornelius Fudge, Chemical X. Yeah. <laughs> Thus the Powerpuff Girls were born. I, I I've done I've done this. <laughs> oh God! The Justice uh, Justice Friends, the super, super Friends, and Powerpuff Girls. Yes. What the Powerpuff Girls? It's Powerpuff. Uh, <laughs> everyone gets that wrong. It's no D. Powerpuff. Moving on. Korea's Fudge. Ah, what a douche. <laughs> what a douche! And you get what he, you get why he's doing it though. It's out of fear though. It's out of fear, and the, for the gr- I mean, for the greater good. The greater good. He doesn't want to panic on his hands. No, you could say barracuda, and people go, "What? Huh?" As he soon as you shark, mention shark, we have a panic on our hands on the Fourth of July. July. It's it's that. Yes. It's, oh my god! It really is that. It is. Tim just had a moment where he just realized Here everything. <laughs> Ding! Whoa! It, yeah, it's like it's like the mayor of Am- of the town of Amity in Jaws. You're doing it so there's not a panic on your hands, and you can have life continue as normal. That happy life that you had for the last fi- uh, 14 years can continue because literally there was nothing. Okay, yes, you had a couple problems here and there, but in general, everyone's like thriving. Di- I mean, look at Diagonally, for instance. When it was, they have no fears in the world. It's vibrant. It's bustling and everything. As soon as they said Voldemort's back, everyone goes into hiding. Right. It's all panic. So you can understand why Cornelius Fudge is like, okay, it's it's easier to point to Harry and Dumbledore saying, there, he's an attention-seeking whore. He's a senile old man. Voldemort is not back. There's no danger whatsoever. It makes sense. I mean, what Umbridge does doesn't make sense. But what he, he does, you don't. Yes, he's a douchebag, and you hate him for it, but you can't honestly say, I do not see where you're coming from with this. Right. I just, I don't respect Fudge for... Oh, I'm not saying I respect him. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things, it's like, he got so used to power that he was, he refused to, he just refused to acknowledge that, I don't even want to really say the piece because obviously this has been leading up to, but it's just like, I, I just don't get his motives. And he, and they say like, he must've gotten a taste for power and he doesn't want to lose it. And he, he thinks that Dumbledore wants it. But honestly, if Dumbledore wanted to be, Dumbledore wanted to be the minister of magic, he like, he, he had could. the opportunity and years I think ago he could do it anyway. Like if he's just like, I'm challenging your minister of magic. Like I feel like they, they would be like, wait a minute. Uh, Maybe we should re- like, let's appoint because really what 
they end up doing with fudge is they're just like bye fudge we brought in somebody better suited because obviously you're a hot mess so they could do that at any moment if dumbledore was like hey i want that position dumbledore doesn't want it and dumbledore helped you along the way so to turn your back on somebody who helped you because you don't like what he's saying like that's kind of like um, do we know what house he was in what what fudge what? was in Oh, fact checker was going on. Because, like, it's one of those things, like, it's it's a very Slytherin-like quality. Because even uh, Phineas brings it up. He's like, maybe, you, Harry, you did belong in our house because you're trying to save yourself. But in a smart way. Like, you know, you know when the fire is getting hot. So you're trying to save yourself. And he's like, no, I'm doing it because I'm being a hero. Um, but I, it's just like... It just annoys me because Umbridge wouldn't be allowed to exist if there was no Fudge. Mm-hmm. Like there, there would be no reason for an Umbridge if Fudge was just like, "Hey, you know what?" He was a total I enabler trust... to everything that she yeah. wanted to do. And like he was so blindsided by this, and then to do like he just does these little spiteful things, like, "Hey, Percy, you really done fucked up last year, but you come on board of my special." you know team because i respect you like percy get your shit together like that was clearly a front and he wanted you to spy on your family lucius how are you doing and stuff like that like he does these and like lucius which harry's like he is a death eater he was there and cornelius is just like "Mm, nope don't believe you i'm gonna keep lucius in my pocket and lucius is like like, oh you can't expel students. Um, ministers can't expel students. Let me fix that. Like yeah. the things he do are so reactive to Dumbledore that his own hatred for the respect and kind of power and greatness that Dumbledore has is what drives Fudge to literally ruin everything. Yeah, he just ruins everything. If Fudge. Fudge is a Holocaust denier. Um, They're out there. <laughs> I mean... Isn't that sad? That's so sad. Uh, He's a slither puff. A slither puff? They but, don't know what... They, no. Never There's no Hufflepuff in Cornelius. What, what really? did you say again? No, I totally see Hufflepuff in him. How so? Because before he starts denying everything with Dumbledore, like when he gets... Day. When he get Well, no. When he gets into power, he's like, Dumbledore... I need your help with this because I have honestly what I what I want to do and what I can do are two different things. I need your help. So he's looking for help. He needs that the support to be around him to for him to succeed. Uh, so I could totally see Hufflepuff being in him. But at the same time, yes, you see Slytherin in him because he's very for himself and everything like that. But yes, there's but no that, official house for he where he was. But that asking for help wouldn't that just be the ambitious the because not all slytherins are bad so wouldn't that just be that ambitious being like hey i recognize that you have this popular support you know what you're doing let me get advice from you isn't that more um a slytherin trait because where is the loyalty where is the humbleness that comes with the hufflepuffs and where is the hard work because he doesn't work that hard but he works hard to keep everything on there control no, I, I don't that's a cunning, that's a cunning that's not a... no well here's a different article where they're saying that um because he's so spineless he's not a gryffindor um no critical thought so it's not ravenclaw but his previous attitude is unlike unlikely to be slytherin so that probably makes him more hufflepuff than anything but i but i mean 
No, I totally see that he is a hard worker because you don't just become Minister of Magic for just the sake of it. And he actually had to have programs in place. He actually had to work his way up through the ministry. He was part of the Enough magical... to the point co- that his <laughs> efforts yes. superseded Barty Crouch's efforts. What? Yes, and then he became the Minister of Magic. But once he was there, he still needed to... He still needed to work at keeping the Minister of Magic job. Barty Crouch's family kind of ruined everything. And Barty Crouch, yeah, Barty Crouch created his own demise. So is it really that he was a harder worker than Barty Crouch? No, he was just in a better position than Barty Crouch. And then here's my thing with Hufflepuff: there's just a kindness that I'm just guessing yeah that. I would have I would have went Ravenclaw for Barty Crouch Barty Crouch if yeah. I had to guess and then like little did, so I just personally even like because when he's all like Harry like it's okay everybody drums but he does that out of fear he's like oh my god we can't lose Harry this oh my god like serious blacks out oh, this would be a PR nightmare right. I think there's just so you don't much, think there's any genuine feelings there. I don't think so I think he is like they a politics there's just a like a diplom like diplomacy that I think would be very attributable to a Slytherin, mm. not the Death Eater kind of Slytherin. The and even how he networks and knowing who to network with to go against Dumbledore. I there's so much cunning that I do not see. Maybe like a young Cornelius, like before Ministry of Man, like maybe I could see that kind of like a with regal. How do you say it? Sirius's little brother. Regulus. Regulus, thank you. Uh, Reggie. Uh, <laughs> let's Reggie call him Reggie because I can say that. Um, but, like, you can see that switch where he he was, like, he embodied the Slytherin and then he was just like, wait, I'm really brave. And th- that's somebody that I could see a two-part house. And, like, I'm a firm believer of the two-part house system, like a major and a minor. But I just don't see. And I honestly think if that is true to do the, like, a Slither buff, I, it had to be baby fudge because I... There is nothing in adult Fudge's timeline that you see. Even think about uh, before the time turner, Fudge brings up those Dementors to kill Sirius. No questions asked. He's like, my personal safety was at risk. What the f- Your personal safety? Like, what? Like, he's very Slytherin. Like, if- All the articles about Barry Crouch Sr. Uh, point to him being Slytherin. Well, you know what? He might be a Raven Slytherin combo. Yeah, but why, because I, he's so he is really smart. Like he is a very like yeah, he spearheads. But then I guess he, like I don't think I've ever seen him being that very selfish. I think he's doing everything for the greater good to an extent. Fucking greater good. Everybody with the greater good. Well, every his perception the, of it. Yeah, yeah. But, well, I'm just saying everybody with their greater good in their. Cause that's the think, whole problem with the Ministry of Magic at that point. And that's Umbridge too, because Umbridge thinks she's doing it for the greater good, and it's. Yeah, there's another article that says Barty Crouch Sr. is Slytherin. Barty Crouch Jr., they're pointing to Ravenclaw, actually. No, see, I would think that would be reversed. Crisscross! <laughs> Sorry. So my feelings on Cornelius Fudge... Uh, well, actually, Baby Crouch would probably... Probably would be a Ravenclaw. Because you think about how much effort he put into his whole uh, scheme of being Mad-Eye. Mm-hmm. He probably would be... Uh, I mean, he would have to be a... So they're probably... It's just like a regardless... Both of them are part Raven, part Slytherin. Like, right. I think that they both show that. But I I just don't see, like, if anything, like 95, 5% like Maybe. Slither Huffle. 
So, you know, like all that with Cornelius. With with Cornelius, my feelings, I still think he, Hufflepuff would be the, his ideal house because I don't see him because he's not hard. He's not hardcore like some of the Ravenclaw people or Slytherin people, well, and I he's not. He's, and he's a he, he's a little bit. I mean, he kind of it shows that he's a little bit slow on the take, but he does. That doesn't mean. Um, yeah, but but no, I think nailing him in Hufflepuff is actually a smart. As I feel more comfortable saying he's a Hufflepuff instead of a Slytherin. You know what? But look at the Hufflepuffs that we like. Would you compare Cornelius to Cedric? Well, different people. I mean, would you put uh, initially? Would you put Slughorn in the Slytherin? I mean, you can't. Well, could you compare Barty Crouch Senior to to Slughorn? No. Yeah, no. They're very different people I mean, because that's the bad bad rap that Slytherin gets. That and, oh, and the, yeah, no every good. bad person who who's gone evil was a Slytherin. It does not mean everybody who's gone through Slytherin is yeah. evil. Yeah. Now think of you are side, side side step it away. You're a first year student. Your parents were your parents were like Gryffindor and Ravenclaw, and you end up being a Slytherin. But you're a good kid. Yeah. Yes, like it, like swear it, to God, just yeah, like totally disordered. But like you know that he is a very determined person to make his own identity and stuff like that, and be successful. You could see that being a Slytherin quality, even though he's probably a good person in general. It just so happens that so many people have gone bad, has gone through Slytherin. It's on it's an unfortunate how, set of circumstances. Yeah. And how awful you would literally be the Luna of your house because everyone would reject you because you're not because you're you're seeing all these pure blood families, all these things that are just like so oh man, so evil, like these households. So for you to have a good upbringing and then be brought into that, oh, that's gotta be what an awful seven years she would experience. Yeah. You know, especially your seventh year good... at that point where like, you're like, Oh yeah. It takes Lisbon's just... uh, house to the dungeon at that point. And like... how many good wizards and witches would have gone bad just purely on the fact that the company they keep, yeah. you're surrounded 24 seven by these evil, like potentially evil, potentially evil, but these morals, these oh, very yeah. strict set of morals that you get out of especially who's your head and especially who's the head of your house. Yeah, and who's the prefix, you look at that. If you're getting in trouble every time you try to do something that's not in line with what they feel is a lot God, that's gotta be awful. That's just so, gotta be awful to be that one. My feelings on Fudge. Yeah, eventually cool. getting back to, to fudge. Uh, um <laughs> that much like Umbridge believes that he's doing the right thing, not out of Unlike Umbridge, though, not out of true convictions, but only out as a response of fear, fear of not being in the position where he's been for so many years, fear of falling out between his world and the muggle world, because he's had certainly a strenuous relationship between himself and the previous prime ministers of uh, uh, the UK. And then even amongst his own company within the witches and witches that are on the trial, that people kind of question, like, yeah, we should be putting Harry on trial. But then halfway through the trial, there are some people that they're raising eyebrows like, all right, maybe maybe the senile old man who just with the, the five first names and the kid who's who's the prophecy built around maybe have a point. Well, they don't know about prophecy. Not, I know, yeah. but I'm just saying that he has, he's probably dealing with, not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to vindicate Fudge in any way. It's just that he is not a totally dastardly person and that when he leaves he bows out 
He doesn't go kicking and screaming or anything like that. He accepts his responsibility and leaves position, knowing he's probably going to be the Herbert Hoover uh, of... Well, and he stays on as an advisor, too. Yes, when Scrimdraw takes over. Yeah. But, and, but it's unfortunate Scrimdraw doesn't really take his opinion too seriously. What, what, what I gathered from the opening thing of the sixth book was that Fudge was the ambassador for between... he. Fudge would be the in-between guy between the Muggle Prime Minister and him. Right. That's how I took it. Because then because Scrimdraw can concentrate completely on Ministry yeah. of Magic at that point when, like, bridges are falling And apart. Fudge has the relationship with the Prime Minister. Yeah. So, Fudge dealt a shitty hand, but also played a shitty hand at that point. Yeah. Now, on to probably... Yeah, it's funny. Go from there. <laughs> we go to Voldemort at that point. The, person who's the primary antagonist in this entire series is not the worst person in this book, which is kind of weird to say. I think I think she did that on purpose, too. I think to distract you from Voldemort, because like the whole idea is that nobody really believes Voldemort and he's kind of lying under the radar it's like wait there has to be a f- a figurehead of evil to stand in for that mm-hmm. um and i mean if nothing else you have to give voldemort credit for being so goddamn smart because he is just so fucking smart he plays his cards so well and like ultimately he's just outwitted but like he really oh god he's just so smart and to use this is the thing, though. How did he get a big old giant snake all up into the ministry? Because that's, like, he does these things, and you're just like, wow, Voldy. Well played. He spent decades of... How does a basilisk move throughout Hogwarts? Pipes. But still, just saying, he had to get him into the pipes somehow. How, how do most people enter the ministry of magic they, in the first place? They apparate. Well, that and... The, oh, you're thinking the visitor's yeah. entrance? Yeah. But don't you think they would have, like, Wizarding cameras? No. You'd have to, but you'd also, you also... In order to do it. Yeah, like, but in order to... Uh, well, it's a pipe. But still, the whole mechanism goes down. So it's not just so much like it would be a pipe traveling down. Like, you still have to announce yourself so they would know. But it's a... Yeah, it's just a slippery... I just think... And the Department of Mysteries is well hidden. Mm. So... Purposely. You think they just have, like, it's like, hey, there's, like, a ladies' room, in, yeah. you know, that it could sneak on up. You know, like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, little things, but... Um, Plot convenience there. Yeah. And the whole connection between Harry and Voldemort is very cool. Like, I think that's just a really, really cool concept, um, because neither one of them notice. So as smart as Voldemort is, as, like planning and cunning and all this stuff that he does he doesn't realize that he's getting glimpses into harry's head and i think it's because he's so focused on his own he's another one that's blindsided because he's so like i have to get this thing i'm getting so mad it's taking so long why can't i get my hands on the fucking prophecy like why can't i have it that he doesn't realize oh hey wait a minute like why am i seeing why am i seeing common room in my head right now yeah and you would have to imagine to some degree he would get a little bit of a wave of all because harry has some extreme emotions so we'd have to get like a little bit of a sense of it um but i think that's also comes into a part that harry being a horcrux himself uh so maybe he's not noticing because it did take voldemort quite a bit of time to realize later on that some of these horcruxes were being destructed destructed destroyed so like I think he's just so blinded by hatred 
that he doesn't and I guess like it's just like oh I'm mad right now but it's just everyday occurrence in like mm. Voldemort it's like I'm always mad I woke up I stubbed yeah. my toe I killed a servant because of it yeah you know like I feel like he's always like disappointed um or even and they sent devil snare into a hospital like the things that they do too like just just the whole Voldemort and the Death Eater camp uh like it's just some sick sick stuff and it just and the Death Eaters think he's Che Guevara at that point yeah like wow and poor poor Bode he's just all like affected by this curse and like next thing you know his little plant even worse poor healer that like was like I got, yeah somebody thought you were a, a plant for finally yeah yes. like you got <sighs> you got a present for Christmas woohoo and then like dead kills you like just looking more into Cornelius, uh, Cornelius Fudge's house. There are compar- a lot of comparisons between Cornelius Fudge and like Ernie McMillan and Zachariah Smith. I can see that. Ernie is very pompous. Yeah. And Zachariah Smith is very douchey. But they, this is the first time you see douchey Hufflepuffs. Like, I think that was convenient. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like... the. You've never really, like, the only other time is... Well, he could have been a Slither. Slither. Or a, um... Well, he would have to be a Huffle-rin. Huffle... Huffle-in? Huffle-in. Every day Every I'm Huffle-in, Huffle-in. Every day I'm Huffle-in. Every day I'm... Wow. Your feelings on Voldemort, Dakota? Uh, my feelings on Voldemort, I like what he does in the book. It's very... Like what Nikki was saying, very cunning of him, very like patient, inviting his time. He wants to be sh- so not patient too. Like he's so <sighs> he's patient by but design patient of to the an world extent. Around. Patient in his own. He has to create why he's patient. Yeah. So it, sorry, he has to create why he's patient. So if it does not go according to his plan, then he's not patient. But he's willing to wait out if he's like, ha-ha, this didn't go how I wanted it. I created a new plan. If Let's this do it this worth, way. If this is worth be- benefiting me, it's worth the wait. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it was with the prophecy because he wanted to make damn sure that he got all of it this time around so he could defeat Harry Potter in a way or figure out how yeah, to defeat him. Yeah, why didn't it work? Yeah, what happened like 14 years ago? Right. But, yeah, no, he's really patient, and his plan is, itself is actually kind of interesting because it's like if you were in that position yourself, you would want to know every single reason why, why what happened. Right. And to figure it out and go to any lengths. And, obviously, you have to scheme how to get into probably the most impenetrable place, impenetrable place in the ministry, in the heart of the Ministry of Magic. So, and he does that extremely well. And then just finally realizing that connection between him and Harry is like, oh, oh I can use him. And make it look seem like I'm not using him. Ah. And then... Yeah. Oh, man. You're, you but but the question st- is... All right. Discovers he has a connection to occlumency. He probably knows a Snape is training him at that it's point. Technically legitimacy. Legitimacy. <laughs> yeah, at that do end. You, so do you think... Like, when he, like, been, like... May try and contact Snape and say, "Don't do this. I'm in here too." No, I think, I think at that moment, just keep Snape as quiet as possible. Don't, you don't arouse suspicion among. Don't don't, don't yeah. make because Snape is your Snape is your trump card because he's the closest to Dumbledore out anyone than your thing. It literally is what what he bets on in the next book. Yeah. So, bring it over. Uh, but you you brought up 
you know what he could have done? Uh, technically, Harry has had Harry not been so discredited, Harry would have had access to that prophecy because prophecies are supposed to be accessible by the people that they were made about. So when they're held in that hall, they're supposed to keep the record, but he technically should have been allowed access to that had he not been so hated because then Voldemort could have got it through his connection with Harry. So there's so many little things that like play into that, but you, you just reminded me of that when yeah. you said that before. But he probably because he can't go into the ministry and be like, hey, let me see. Well, the but yeah, but I mean, he <laughs> obviously planned the whole thing of yeah. Harry and Dumbledore alerting the ministry, ministry of that yeah. of his return. So it was just playing how would they react yeah. if they accepted him. He had, he probably could have totally done it that way, mm-hmm. but at that moment he didn't realize he had that. Like if that happened early on, he wouldn't have realized that there was that connection between him and Harry because he only realized that when um, when after Arthur Weasley was attacked. Now, I'm just imagining for comedy's sake, like Voldemort dresses up like Harry with a bad Harry mask and walking on his knees to be at the appropriate height to be like, "Hi, I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> I want to see my prophecy." Yeah, just like. <laughs> but they could totally see like his like feet like, sticking out from yeah. beneath the cape and stuff like that. Just like he dials like the number like six. Like, who is this? Harry Potter. <laughs> you, you sound vaguely familiar. This is this is Harry Potter. Hmm, a Phoenix Corps. Yeah, but what 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 is this? <gasps> That's that I have an idea for a skit video now. Somebody does with Baltimore trying to find out about the prophecy and dealing with a tele, uh, dealing with a nonchalant security guard. Like, okay, Harry, uh, get this back. And it's like dealing with a bar, it's like be dealing with a bar bouncer. This Are you sh- like like you know how this you, I, I, I don't have access to the Department of Mysteries. Can you transfer somebody who does have an access to it? Your ID says you have green eyes, but it's very clear that you have red eyes. Do you need visine for red eyes? For clear eyes. <laughs> red itchy eyes. Good. Bye. But I think you guys are missing probably one of the biggest things about this book with Voldemort is that to show his true power that he finally has a chance to show off what he has learned magically over the decades of scrounging out information on on magical charms and stuff like that and he duels Voldemort I mean du- duels Dumbledore now he fails in his attempt to it because he realizes despite how good I am that Dumbledore is many years my senior mm-hmm. and has the elder one on his in, in his position well, even though he doesn't know no, it at the yeah. time it, he probably has that kind of moment of clarity later on like oh that's probably why I didn't def- couldn't defeat him then because he has that wand on his side that he has won that one purposely. And then I love that moment where he, like, Voldemort realizes I can't feed, defeat him. Obviously, this contest cannot be solved without power of the Force, but I skill with a lightsaber. Then he switches gears, like, all right, I can't attack Dumbledore, but I can attack Harry. And, yeah, he, and he tries to get through Dumbledore through Harry at that point. Yeah, but Harry is filled with love. Yes, very Mulan Rouge with the power of love. Love, it's the power of love. Yeah, power of Hugh Lewis defeats Voldemort in it. Power of love, Order of Phoenix. So yeah, Voldemort <laughs> extremely cunning, and it sh- sets up like how his vent- his plans can go- be successful in the next two books because of how he has done this thus far. Because we've only seen him 
his plan, even as contrived as it was in the last book, and how that was successful to the yes. point. See how he is successful here. Like, like, there's no clear winner here. Like, it's kind of like you could almost say fifth and sixth book are like the Empire Strikes Back of this because they both end on slight down notes. One more down note than the other. Yeah. But anyway, Voldemort, awesome in this book. I can't believe we're still on characters at this point. I know. Snape. Snape. Felix. Severus. Snape. Dumbledore! Dumbledore. <laughs> 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 Your feelings on Snape in this book. I know, we just I mean, we've kind he, of unloaded our energy up. I mean, I feel like he get. I mean, his role in the fourth book was very limited. And at this point, it's also limited to extent. I mean, the first half of the – like pretty much the first half of the book. Mm. First half of the book is just him just giving Harry a hard time. Second half of the book, it's now just him goading uh, Sirius at uh, 12th Grimmauld Place, which was just this whole scene of like, wow, you are a fuck. And just like you just want Sirius just to kill him. Yeah. Um, but then him teaching him occlumency and you understand. And then after Dumbledore kind of explains why he wanted that done, you can understand that. But Snape was not on paper. Snape is, makes the most sense because he's so good at it. Yeah. But he sucks as a human being. So, yeah. But because it, Dumbledore sees the good in everybody, even in even in Tom Riddle. Yes. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that Dumbledore's never the best judge of character. I, I just I, like I, you can't fault Snape for not being able. I just honestly think anytime your mind and your innermost thoughts are involved, I I don't know. Like I wouldn't want anyone in my head ever. So to have to try and teach someone, okay, like hey, like you have to open up your mind and clear it out. Open your mind. With the chance that there might be some backlash and you get to see my innermost thoughts. Um, That's that's scary. Yeah, and he uses the pensive, but then, like, at the same time, like, think about how vulnerable those pensives are because just Dumbledore's was just as easily accessible. Harry's just a little. I don't blame. I just don't blame him because I'm sorry. Like, you, it's just like a diary. If it's left out, like, it's very hard not to like, it's like it's right there like like and we all know harry doesn't have the best willpower when it comes to stuff like that yeah, you think, and like, snape should probably know that by now like oh i just might put this away and it was well snape got called away so quickly at the same time harry should know i'm caught by snape with this my life is going to go from really really suck ass to really really Horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, Snape will find new and horrible ways to fuck with me. Right. That should have been the first thought that popped into mind. Not, ooh, shiny. What's that Hogwarts classroom? Oh, they're taking tests in there. I wonder what they talk about. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, fuck it. Diving in. I don't, and, too, like, I don't think Harry would have stayed quite so long if the first memory that was shown wasn't Dealing with, with his, his dad. dad. Yes. Like, if his dad hadn't been in that, I think he would have been like, wait a minute, what am I doing? And then, like, I think he would have second-guessed it. Uh, like, even if it was, like, th- the images of, like, Snape in the bedroom and stuff like that, if that was the memory he jumped into, I think he would have been like, let me get out of this. Use my hair grease as a lubrication. <laughs> so, 
Snape has his first like big revealing moment, other than sensual like <laughs> that um that he was hazed pretty freaking hard by James and his cronies, with the exception of Remus, because he didn't really take too Did much part in there. What? Did Pettigrew get in there? Pro- uh, if anything, it's probably because of James and Sirius were doing it. Yeah. I don't think he bothered. I think he just stood there and watched. Gotcha. But, and then, it's funny. In the book, I have no sympathy for, like, Sir- for Snape in that moment, really. You do, but a little bit. But, like, yeah. if you watch the movie and you watch Alan Rickman's performance, I feel a lot more sympathy to that. Because I miss Alan Rickman and, and I watch every performances now and I'm, like, a little sad. But there is that moment where there, when ha- uh, Harry and everybody's in Umbridge's office, and Snape comes in like, "I don't have the truth serum anymore," and he says the cryptic message that Sirius is in help needs help, and Snape's like, "I don't know what you mean." But as soon as he's out of sight, oh crap! Oh crap! Oh crap! Like it's like go go speed racer theme. As soon as like probably hit as soon as he got out there, like. As he was getting, as he had to go and alert the order. He just hit a star on the way down there. I'm just thinking a bio illuminated Snape flying around Hogwarts right now. With sensual leg. That's how he releases his power. Sensual leg. So. We get to see the first inkling, like, as Dumbledore explains it later, of what he. Snape could possibly be, and we'll obviously see a lot of that more at the end of the seventh book, but we'll get there eventually. So, and now we've talked about the characters, and we talked about events here and there. Let's talk about the big events here. Quidditch, because we haven't talked about Quidditch in a while. Oh, Quidditch. Okay, so the Quidditch in this is actually I'll actually like it because you only get that one match where it's really like where. But just the lead up to it also like really is awesome because um, how you really get uh, you really start to see like how the Slytherins are trying to jinx the Gryffindors in the hallways and mm-hmm. everything like that and it's really getting aggressive and then you also have um, Angelina Johnson now captain cap- captaining the uh, Gryffindor team mm-hmm. um, and how much how like Wood she is. And they make that joke, like, well, someone should just call a pun, uh, Pudmere United's farm team and be like, hey, did he die? Because she's, <laughs> she's channeling wood. <laughs> um, but, like, the aggressiveness of that match and everything and how Harry was trying to make a point of, like, you know, this is this is what I do best. Oh, I'm going to sh- do it because it makes me happy uh-huh. in front of, like, the entire school in Umbridge. And then how it ends... Um, it's really dramatic. But then you actually have Harry watching it from the stands at certain point. Well, we don't get into the, the dismal loss the next game. We just, like, Harry's, like, pumped for this game, and it ends up, like, everyone's like, no, run! And then the, when the final match comes against Ravenclaw, I believe. They're um, not there. The Harry, Hermione. Yeah, Hagrid pulls them away because I need to tell you about Grok because my time's not... Not too long here anymore, if you know what I'm saying. There. I was drinking. Was I was drinking a little bit before this. I got really fucked up. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take you deeper than you've ever gone before. In the Forbidden Forest. Oh, oh, <laughs> Hagrid! I thought you were going off the deep end there. Oh no, 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 no. 
Guys got Firewish game card hardware to their trick right now. <laughs> and anything else you want to say? Uh, no, but um, no, and just the fact that like how the Weasley is our king gets developed through that, and yeah. just like so catchy, or like oh. God. And then it's referenced throughout the book, like nearly headless Nick is floating down the hallways, okay. humming, humming it, and it's like, oh god. And then like the pins, like Weasley is our kingpins and yeah. everything like that. And then how the Gryffindors turn it to them when Ron wins the the House Cup for them. Yeah, it, that I really like that a lot. I mean, the only quidditch you really get is that first match, and it was a pretty good one. Yeah. I just want to know, like, who in Slytherin is, like, so proficient at button making because they have pins for everything. everything. <laughs> My father owns a giant pin, uh, owns a giant lapel factory. I just write him a little note and we get a shit done for the whole school. But now, just imagine Filch going through the mail and has to sort through that. Oh, just yeah, like, especially because they're all sorting through it. Yeah. And it's like another fucking pin, another fucking pin. <laughs> giant barrel of them yeah I, barrel of monkeys interesting enough like i just didn't care about quidditch as much this book and heresy I think, I, I think it's literally because harry gets the lifetime ban and i'm just like all right yeah like good for you ron i just like not as into it yes mm-hmm. yeah especially the tryouts for it and everything like that yeah, but, but um also the way they went in that one too right and um it's just it's just an emotional defeat for when Harry dismounts and then starts beating every shit out of Draco because you're just like yeah do it get him punch like curb stop the motherfucker and then like the gloves are off in here it's another right another right look at the blood yeah you think it's like it's pretty much like a rugby match at that point then yeah. it immediately reality sets in when Umbridge takes over and he's like oh ban you're like and then I'm gonna chain your brooms. And it's like, I, though I do like the little like rumor that uh, Harry's broom was under like constant gu- like constant guard in the dungeons by a troll. Yeah, and it turns out that was actually true. Yeah, I, lo- I love that little like that she was really that crazy to do that. <laughs> Because she knows that he has summoned his broom from across the. Uh, well, no, Hogwarts because guy. of what uh, Fred and George did. Yeah, Which, especially yeah. Now my question is. In her door, was there like pinholes where the brooms broke through, or is it like a giant spatter, or was it like the like a cartoon cutout of like two brooms like bust through? I think it's that one. Okay, just for the, just for the sake of comedy, I'm gonna just say it's, it's like hmm. it's those two, and then there's like the coyotes like outlined is probably right next to it as he went through. <laughs> it's a Niffler outline. <laughs> oh, Nifflers! The Nifflers, they're adorbs. Totes adorbs. Now I get to touch the Niffler, the Apache. <laughs> magic crystal vaults with the Niffler. <laughs> <laughs> now I get to touch it. <laughs> so how you as, how you said that? Oh my God, him as Voldemort. Now, Mister Put, I can touch, touch you, you now. <laughs> I could not, I could not come back because it was old magic. But now it's here and here that I find out where I am truly. Powerful! Oh my God! Uh, just, now I'm just imagining a whole different version of Harry Potter with Christoph Waltz as Voldemort. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm gonna. Uh, I'll, that's gonna make me happy for the rest Wait, of. Tarantino does Harry oh God! A lot more blood, and I think Hermione would have bigger boobs. No, no, no. We would just see her feet a lot. 
Good point. We just see Hermione's feet everywhere. Does he have like a foot fetish? Or he something? does. Oh, okay, that's why. That's that's. I think it's. I don't know if he's gone on record with that or not. Anyway, Quidditch. Quidditch. Nice, a nice comeback to see since it's been yeah. not in the fourth book at all because the try was a tournament and everything like well, that. Well, you got you got your fill of it for the World Cup. Not in the movie though. Fucking movie. All that build. Why have all the build up then? It is like it is truly Harry Potter blue balls at that point. Yeah, right it was there. Harry because they built it up to be like this is the best Quidditch match you'll ever see on the big screen. And up, it was more disappointing than Marion Cotillard's death in Dark Knight Rises. That's for sure. <sighs> Shots fired, bang bang. Yeah. Got hashtag burn. <laughs> anyway, moving. Anyway, on. moving on. The Order of the Phoenix itself. That was interesting to learn, like, the the group itself and how it was – Dumbledore led it beforehand Tonks. and everything. Like, you got to introduce to Tonks. You got to introduce to Kingsley. Yep. Um, I mean, and just have more Mad-Eye in there. You have Remus back, um, which I absolutely love a little bit. I've, I've been on record for that before. But, yeah. No, it just – I love the Order of the Phoenix and how, and how they're doing it and – and how the Weasleys are part of it as well. Mm. Um, I do feel bad for Sirius's role in it because mm. he can't literally cannot do much. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. And Twelve Grim Old Place, really. Aw- I love how J.K. Rowling describes it, and it sounds like one of those places where you would. It's kind of scary, but at the same time, you kind of want to go and explore almost every room you can get your get into because it's just so dark and like. This could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So I, it sounds like a cool place. I, get, I mean, I obviously, Sirius, Sirius hates the place and everything like that. But the way it was described in the book, it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, I also like that you go to the Hogshead because they bring up Dumbledore's brother. Then you end up I at the Hogshead. Yeah. So it's like Moody's like, I don't really, I've only met him like once. And then like you go to the Hogshead and they even describe the Hogshead as like, having like a goat sense and i thought that was great because it was such like a quick little thing that you wouldn't pick up on when uh, her body was like it's not it's not illegal for students to go to the hot set i even asked flitwick though he strongly advises to bring our own glasses <laughs> it's just one of those like oh speaking of glasses i'm glad you brought that up because um when transition yeah no like when harry um when umbridge is trying to like give harry true serum and she, like, the first time around, she's pushing this string thing. And it's totally different when, like, McGonagall's like, here, have a biscuit. No, like, really, have a biscuit. But, like, when Umbridge says it, it's like, this is weird. Like, well, he makes contact, eye yeah. contact with the one picture of the And the kitten looks eyes. too, yeah. And, and so, like, like he's just like, Moody wouldn't do this. So no. he just, like, drinks through like, pretend to drink with thin lips. Another thing, another thing from Emperor's New Groove, just <laughs> pouring it on your shoulder, going, rolling off. Or ditch it into a, like, he ditches it into a plant. I would have just loved it, the plant just, like, <laughs> wilted. <Shriveled. laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, drinking sideways, rolling off his cronk shoulder. Uh, uh, oh. it, it makes total sense why Man has his own hip flask at that point. And it's kind of like... To a degree, yes, yes. Yeah, and... It, protect himself that way the statues too in the like the four the atrium is what they really call it uh at the the ministry of magic how like um at first harry's like really transfixed by it and then he thought their expressions were really odd and then those motherfuckers come into like life 
And I love that. I just think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, the way the way J.K. Rowling described all these new locations in this book were really spot on because you could totally picture it. Picture it. And like to be honest with you, like it may sound totally weird, but like having that awesome fountain at the Ministry of Magic and describing this giant marble hall with all the fireplaces and everything like that, I, you, I can literally see it in my mind and to a degree this may sound weird, smell it. Because have you ever been to like places with indoor fountains? Yeah, there's a, that one particular smell that always smells like okay. Yeah. You, I smell a fountain. Where is it? I can smell that in the atrium. The hustle of peace, people. The 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 letters flying overhead and everything like that. And then also the the nonchalant security guards. Like, yep, give me your fucking wand. <sighs> Ten inches. Is that it? <sighs> okay, and uh, you are. Harry Potter. Harry fucking Potter. <laughs> Destroyer of vaginas. <laughs> oh my god. Like, it on me this time. I don't know. No, that, that was the joke I said last time. I think I was like, that should have been, I should have been the quote I should have put in the tweet about when I posted the, the episode. Uh, yeah. He's not a lady killer until next month. No. And I was thinking about that too. Um, not Harry being a lady killer, but uh, picturing the fountain. So, because literally she's describing it, and I was like, "God, this would be a really good spot for an Instagram picture." And then I was like, "Wait a minute, it doesn't exist." And that's like, I mean, that's just a testament to how well she describes places. That I'm literally like, I was like, I'd get a lot of likes with that picture yeah, and totally. that and fountain the cool with, all the, with coins. the coins. Yeah, because that's something you know everywhere I would do, and like. Yeah. I did offer throwing ten dollars mm-hmm. at the whole bag into it. They went to St. Mungo. Every they said all the proceeds go to St. Mungo's, right? Yep. Which was a good setup for being there later. Yeah. Um and as well as like the backstory, I love the the photo that has all the previous members there. Scooch or... over now, budge a little bit. Yeah. And they like I love that because that would be like a magical because you ever try to get like a panorama of like, yeah. a group. So like you just you don't have to. You just be like, move over now. So and it's everybody. like they're dead. They're mm-hmm. dead. Long bottoms. Voldemort killed him yeah. himself. You yeah. Found his body. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. a testament. It puts in things in perspective for Harry at that point. It's not just a a battle between him and Voldemort, but it's actually something that's like, that's going to be happening on a global scale. That thing will be obviously expanded upon in the next two books. Mm-hmm. And nice to see that there's a resistant force against the uh, the Death Eaters and stuff like that. And I just love like the Phoenix and seeing like Harry says, "I want to fight," and he's a new generation of it. Like Phoenix dies, reborn, and everything like that, and has all new members of the Order of the Phoenix and stuff like that, especially mm-hmm. Dumbledore's army. It's almost like a subsidiary of the Order of Phoenix at that yeah. point. It's the baby. It's like the training camp. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome concept. Love it. And uh, just, I think, <sighs> weird question. What's your favorite subtitle to any of these books? Like, say, like saying, like, there's the Goblet of Fire, Chamber of Secrets, Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince. Which one do you appreciate the most? Harry Potter and... I know it's an odd question to ask. Oh. Most creative... Cre- creative most title. creative title? Yeah. Ooh. I think it might... It, it's a toss-up between this and Half-Blood Prince for me. Because it's just the sequence of those words together and sells an image for me. Or a phoenix... I mean... By far, this was my favorite cover. Yes, that was that was illustrated. 
Um, I think it has to be also my favorite title for it because mm-hmm. of what it is. But I would say like Prisoner of Azkaban because you know just just, the, just, the, just the, intru- the prisoner yeah. of what. Of what? Uh, a what? <laughs> Tiger Shark. A what? More Jones reference. <laughs> no, but yeah. Wow, that, that uh, is scary. Fuck this. Harry Potter is Jaws. <laughs> Mother of God. I, I don't know. I kind of like Deathly Hollows. Deathly Hollows. Yeah, I like that subline. Um, I, I like this one too. I like the Order of the Phoenix. Because, mm. I mean, really, Fox is one of the coolest. Like I think, yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about our- we didn't talk about Tonks at all, and I think Tonks. Sidebar: Before you go any further, before you go, um, the actress who plays Tonks is actually on Game of Thrones, and mm-hmm. at the time of this recording, she is now dead. Sadly, yeah. sorry, spoilers. Yeah. Once again, I don't don't know the movie, so I don't know who plays Tonks. Ah, I, 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 oh, she's in a bunch IMDb. of stuff. I just totally forget her name. I always forget. I am and I'm just like. And I'm just like Fat watching chicken. it, and Mike's like, "Oh shit, haven't seen her in two seasons." I'm like, "She's so dead," and he's like, "What?" I'm like, yeah. I'm like "Especially the person uh, she's dealing that scene with, like, she is so dead." And I'm like, "Oh, so that's how Tonks died." Fucking patter in the Order of Phoenix. I thought she would have died in a different way, like yeah. sub like sub note. But I thought she was gonna make it a little bit further with Ramsey than she did. Yeah, but like, can't wait for him this to is go what out. I get though, because I brought up Game of Thrones and then put this in our head. <sighs> Go on. But I don't... Um, Natalia Tenna. Natalia Tenna? What is she... Wait. Natalia Tenna plays Tonks in the movies. Uh, she's in About a Boy. Um, Ten Kilometers. She's... Yeah, Game of Thrones. Uh, Super Bob. The Refugees. Veil, Residue. Maddie Burns the Hell. Black Mirror. She's in a lot of British stuff. Uh, Gotta check out Black Mirror. Heard a lot of good things about it. Really? Yeah. I, uh, Tonight You're Mine. Ways to Live Forever. Woo. Story of an Everyday at Evie. Okay. We get it. She's a lot of shit. Yeah. So, you're feeling some Tonks then? Oh, I love Tonks. Mm-hmm. She's a great character, especially. Watch out. <laughs> it just like, it just it fits her personality. Amazingly, how she constantly changes her hair. I love how we are introduced to her, where she's like, really like, her hair is just as wild, like purple or pink. And purple at first, then purple she goes, then she goes purple and pink later. But yeah, it's purple and like walking through the house, and then she's like, this is too clean. And she gets to Harry's room, it's like, ah, oh, this is also. And she's like, I don't fancy myself as purple. What do you think? And then she quick like squinches her face, and it, pink. Oh my god! Yeah, and then how yeah. uh, later at dinner she's making noses for Hermione uh, and Ginny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's just a really she's a very likable character, and you don't watch a hair. I love the fact we introduced her breaking something at first. We hear her oh, yeah. break something. something. Being a- I respond so well to spastic characters because, like, I get it, girl. If that umbrella stand was in my house, I would trip over it every time, knowing damn well it was there. <laughs> like the other day at work, I went to pick a glass up. Don't even ask me how I did it, but I slammed it into the railing by accident, like the actual storage where we keep them, and it broke clean in half. 
the glass broke clean in half. And I was like, God, you got to be impressed with that, even though I just broke a glass. (laughs) Or like I trip over, we have bar mats and I try to get away with not using them on days that it's just me. And I don't like them. I trip over them. But my boss made me use it. And as I'm putting it down, I was like, yeah, I don't like these because I trip over them. And this guy's like, give me a beer. I said, go to grab a beer. Trip. I'm like, this is what? He's like, you weren't kidding. So I I respond so well to Tom. So I'm like, yes, bitch, trip. Because I get it. Her sense of humor is also very well there. And just how her attitude, like when they get off, like on and off the uh, night bus. And like, oh, you always say say his full names now. Jinx you to like infinity. And stuff like that. And just like the aggressiveness. Don't call me. Nymphadora. Yeah, don't go Nymphadora. No. But her parents call her Dora for short. Yeah, but it's also just like... It's a a very proper name, but it's also like... Yeah, you're asking school with a name like that. That's why she just goes by her last name, Tox. Yeah. No, I love Tox. And I think it was a great character to introduce her. And her in the... Uh, sixth book was also I liked a lot too. Yeah. So and she got shortchanged in the seventh book. She did. She gets preggers. And that's about it. Yeah. Has has the kid. Doesn't get a chance to raise it though. <clears throat> we're we're gonna talk about that when the seventh book comes on because I have a couple questions about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I really enjoy Tonks and this is like one of my favorite additions to the Harry Potter universe and stuff like that and then the relationships that she kind of blossoms between her and Remus and stuff like that which I, I, I enjoy. Yeah, and I was actually just reminded that Mad-Eye Moody who you think doesn't like anyone absolutely adores her as an aura. Yeah, yeah, as a person as an, as a, also as an aura because he took her under she, she was like his, his apprentice. Right. Which is great because it's so contradicting of him. Yeah. That he's willing yeah. to trust her that much. It's like, who do you know that's lost a buttocks, Mad-Eye? <laughs> you know what? I think he did. Imagine, like, that's a chunk of him that's missing. We'll never know. It's an artificial ass. <laughs> same, same, same making of, of the legs here. It's a Terminator ass. <laughs> Termo ass. <laughs> I have one half of really tight glutes and the other one's rather loose. It's rather disconcerting in my balance and my equilibrium. Moving on. Um, Other things I want to talk about. So, other things when it comes to being within the school's grounds itself. Well, before that, the trial of Harry Potter. That's so annoying to me because... Like Dumbledore says, he's like, oh, I like that I was fired right before you decide to use it for something so stupid as underage magic. And, like, what is the point? All of those, which, like, that's literally just a show of, like, you're show flexing your, yeah, flexing yeah. your muscles. Like, so, uh, the whole trial and, like, God, like, he's not using the Patronus charm for shits and giggles. Like, no. that is not a piece of magic that's just like, hey guys, look what I can do. Like, even when they're learning it in the Dumbledore's army, like, he makes it very clear that this is a hard piece of magic. So, I... I more so understand the other ones, like the hover charm, like, when he accidentally blew up his aunt. Like, okay, like, those are ones... Those are things that I would understand being reprimanded for, but obviously you're not using the Patronus charm... As a party trick, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and they can confirm that it's his cousin. Yeah. Which is which is another thing where it's like, okay, well, one, your his cousins can attest to describing the effects of a Dementor, even though that means bringing a muggle into the Ministry of Magic to testify. 
Which they won't do. They won't do. Um, That's why they have their witness, their key witness. Uh, the right, but who... Dumbledore did say you can you can call on him. Yeah, because that's irrefutable proof there. And but also at the same time, it, they know his cousin and his aunt and uncle know that he can do magic. So it's not like the worst thing in the world that he's done something like that. Yes, a Patronus is serious magic, and yeah. it's really like oh shit if that was a different if that was just some random ass dude, and Harry did that too. Yet there would be a lot of more pre. Repercussions, but there's no um, there's no magical law enforcement going out to erase Dudley's memory about no. the situation or anything like that. So, um, is it this book or next book when it's this book where um, Ampertunia remembers the dementors of the guards of yes, Azkaban. and that was yeah, I love that scene because it was like where she says. Like what the mentor? What's it? What are they? And then she's just like they protect the 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 they protect the wizarding prison. And everyone looks at her. Like, and she's just like and she goes like <gasps> covers her mouth and everything. And Harry is like, oh my god, you're my sister. You're my mom's sister. Yeah. I totally forgot that. And and where he is out after and all the conversation afterwards is directed to her because she'll she's the one that understands everything. Right now. Was it was it official or not? Like, was she in communication with anybody in the Wizarding World behind her husband's back at that point, or anything like that? Was she like like her and Dumbledore were not pen pals or anything like no, that? It was no. just a conversation she remembered having yeah. with her sister. I f- it's just like one of those things I think you hold on to. It's like this odd bit of knowledge that uh, like rarely gets brought up. Um, like, I, like I watch a ridiculous amount of Law and Order, so one time, <laughs> one time at the bar, like somebody's like, "Oh yeah, like I like." Ha- had to use the bathroom so I just peed at a nearby school I'm like don't do that you could be put on the sex offenders list yeah. and they're like uh explain why you know that and it's just like oh crap but so like I, uh, I going, like, I'm going to law school tight. yeah like I thought it was such like a touching moment that like for the f- first time you've ever really seen Petunia, Petunia like actually go oh like wait a minute and the fact that they they let him stay, even though, like, Vernon's so quick to, like, be like, okay, bye, um, when Dumbledore threatens him. I mean, there is, there's some sense of family there. It's just very, very disturbed and very, like, not, like, dysfunctional, but there is still, she realizes that's still, you know, my blood, that's still my family. Mm-hmm. And I love, like, the fact, like, this is something I brought up before, that, not everybody amongst the, the judges or anything that that is part of this trial are completely behind Cornelius Fudge and his what well, his thought is to be the verdict of what should be mm-hmm. done for Harry. That there are questions brought up and people are like, I forget uh, what's her name that kind of speaks up and questions Harry. Um, Bones. Yeah, about like Madam wait, Bates. about how, why Dementors? How can you prove this? And then they have uh, what's her name, the witness for it, the one who's been watching over him since he was Mrs. Fig, who. Harry's kind of detested since he was a child because, like, he was always watched by Mrs. Fig whenever they went, whenever the Dursleys went out to have fun or something like that. Right. It's just funny that every of those nice things, every time that she he had to deal with her, she was just watching out for him under Dumbledore's orders at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And I love when she's being uh, questioned and, like, Cornelius was just trying to trip her up with her terminology of how a Dementor works and stuff like that. It's like, oh, God, no, don't let this, yeah. don't let this go wrong. I saw Dementors running out of the alley. Dementors, Dementors don't run. I, I, I mean, I mean, gliding. Yeah, it's like, oh, God, no. Uh, but. Is that, is that, is that it? 
Yeah. All I got? Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and that Dumbledore comes to defend Harry at the right time and stuff like that. Like, mm. oh, yes, you changed your time three hours early. Luckily, I was here. Luckily, I arrived three two hours ago. And it's like, like, ooh. Like, like even, even as dastardly as Cornelius tries to be, he can't one-up him like yeah. that. Why do you... That, they moved it just so Dumbledore doesn't show up, you think? Probably. Okay. So he probably wouldn't have a public, probably wouldn't have a, a competent defender. They wanted, they wanted him to miss it because if he missed it, then they'd be like, "Oh, he missed it, so he's expelled." Yeah. So they changed the location. They they changed the timing because they literally just wanted to fuck them up. Yeah. But luckily, Dumbledore saw that kind of uh, uh, move coming in. Hmm. Allow it, McCoy. But you watch, watch yourself. you watch yourself. <laughs> Murdered her. No. <laughs> Find him guilty, ladies and gentlemen. I'm acting with my eyebrows. <laughs> They're going to remain pitch black while my hair gray is continuous. <laughs> Mr. Potter, I am not going to question you. I am going to refer to a person I, I hold dearly. Sam Warrison walks out in, in cross-examination with Harry Potter. Like, oh, right, he's going to the electric chair, let alone being expelled at that point. So, trial, uh, dramatic, uh, dramatic, uh, chapters and stuff like that love love the design of that room and then how the dementors just hanging outside well we, we find that kind of out in the seventh book they well, weren't hanging out there in the fifth the, book no no but they were during the pensive flashbacks they were yeah. they were seventh book they they were totally just chilling up yeah. in the ceiling and it's just like this ominous like kind of black orbs like hanging above like or kind of like in a- the movie aliens yeah and they're walking through the factory oh. and they're oh. all on top and just one of the tails just <laughs> they're coming out of the goddamn wall who's who's shooting i said no fire <laughs> um the room of requirement and double doors army feelings nikki i love the room of requirement i think it's the coolest room like in the whole castle of hogwarts i just think it's so interesting like what what possessed the founders to be like hey let's make this cool room that changes every time like village found cleaning supplies uh dumbledore found potties uh dumb <laughs> dolby was able to hide a drunk winky um fred and george were in a broom closet like it's just so cool to me um i hate though that they were able to be found out like i feel like that door should have been able to protect them like Mm. they needed a place they were like i need a place to hide and do this and practice um but it should have been able to stop umbridge from blasting her way in yeah if you look at the sixth book harry was trying to get in wherever malfoy was right and, I mean, he was asking for, I need to find Malfoy, I need to find Malfoy, I need to find um, Malfoy, when all he could have done was, I need to find a place to hide, hide something. So, it's just, the room requirement is very particular in the phrasing of yeah, he, Yes, but, was it, this is going to be, this is horrible, uh, so brace yourself, thank you. Was it with you that I said this, or was it with Z- my brother Zach, where the room requirement is like the fucking uh, bone pet, like, the place to go fuck? I, I think I, one of us brought that up last time. Like, we need a place to fuck. We need a place to fuck. We need a place to fuck. <laughs> See the room requirement rocking. Don't come, come knocking. Oh! <laughs> and it's just filled with all sorts of horrible, like, dirty shit. Debauchery. Oh, my God. Like, 50 Shades of Grey 
crossover to go his like red room <laughs> maybe if you're into that or i was just thinking like a fucking vibrating bed and like every type of condom and lubrication you might think of waterbed a floor <laughs> fire a clap on fireplace I want to clap too. <laughs> I want to be part of the group, guys. Let me clap too. Uh, I um, I don't approve, but I'm a clap. You're clapping. You're off. You clapping is a sign of approval, right there. Just saying, right there. That's not fair. I clap for everything. I clap back. <laughs> clap back. Train accident. <laughs> you clap that. Uh, like snap, snap. <laughs> oh my god, that's snap horrible. <laughs> that's awful. Three, uh, three snaps in Z formation. Z snapped. Yeah, Dumbledore's army is a brilliant concept that all the kids are realizing that Umbridge is a terrible teacher, not teaching them anything when it comes to defense against the dark arts, and that this small faction of people actually believe Harry to the point that they're willing to suffer ultimate consequences from Umbridge to learn magic and just shows the determination that's going to be paying off in the next couple of books. There's a lot of setup in this book. Now coming to think about it as we're, as we're dissecting it here and room requirement, brilliant addition. Wish there's a room requirement in all of our lives because right, that would like just be awesome. House, like yeah. A panic room. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much the way a muggle way of describing it would be a panic room. Just, you can find a panic room, usually. Um, the OWLs. Yeah, that's what, when I took um, Philosophy of Harry Potter at Suffolk, that was what our final exam was called. <laughs> and I thought that was great. I, I loved really every fun. bit of that. I That class was still, hands down, one of the coolest. I wish they didn't change the curriculum, though, because it started to become like a little bit of a joke, because they made it easier. Um but, like, it was the hardest class I've ever taken, so I understood what these kids are talking about when they're like, I had to study for the OWL. Yeah, that whole class reminds me, there are classes that, like, criminal psychology classes where they do analyze everything Batman. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... Yeah. Suffolk is done, like, history of rock and roll. Like, they do cool classes. That's, I mean, you gotta give it to Suffolk for that. But that's even, like, comic book classes, stuff like that. Like, I mean, I took, like, a special effects makeup class in college. So. Remember, I was in the bookstore at Oswego, and I'm walking past, and, like, I see something yellow, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, wait. I back up, it's Watchmen, just graphic novels, there's piles of the Watchmen. I'm like, oh, look at, like, look at the, like, sleeve it's attached to, and, like, graphic novel, like, philosophy class. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. awesome. I wish philosophy I had a chance to like- take that. I feel like f- more people should study philosophy because, like, even, like, when you try to talk about, like, what we're able to do, some people can't do that at all. Like, they can't go and talk about a book or a movie, like, in really some... Into yeah. It. No. So, like, I feel like it's something, like, that should be... You have to take, like, a weird, wonky philosophy class. Not, like, philosophy 101. It has to be, like, philosophy of, like... um, Oh, my God. Name of weird kid's book. Like... Raw dolls, the yeah. philosophy of raw dolls, books, yeah, and like, like that. little things like that. Just like something very specific that that people can get used to that concept. Justin took a Tolkien class where they pretty much like broke down the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, and the Similarian. That's such a rough. That would. It's, it's a tough class because you, 
the books are just so tough to read. Yeah, because yeah. Tolkien is not a... The all, was the easiest book to read. Yeah, because it was a children's book. That's one of those classes, that, like, with the Harry Potter one. When we got there, it was, like, first day. She's like, if you have not read the books, she's like, I'm not going to say that this class is for you. She's like, I'm not going to say you can't do it, but it will be very tough. Like, I think I... There was one point, I know, like, me and my boyfriend at the time, we would have, like each book like thrown out i'm like okay check i think in the later chapters this i need one quote so like if you didn't read these books beforehand to try and do that so like i can't imagine going into it because i've never read any of the lord of the rings so like to go into a class like that i would be so far behind i would struggle but this is also the same person amongst the six hour trip back we've discussed the mythology of elves, dwarves, and everything like that. We broke down the Similarian and how it would work as a TV series because we have no lives like that. It was it was a wintry night. It looked like no, we're going through hyperspace. Awesome. <laughs> it looked like we're the Millennium Falcon at that point. Down, 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 down. Traveling through hyperspace is so weird. <laughs> Your feelings in OWLs. Uh, do you really give an opinion on OWLs? Besides just saying that it was the final in their class. <laughs> Uh, no, I just think, I think that's pretty cool. Like, how else would you measure? And I, the only thing, like, they're like the SATs. Like, yeah, I that's think that's I... a little, like, stressful because, but it's almost practical. worse because, to they, like, they have to do the OWLs, but then there's the NEWTs. So I think, I think of the OWLs like the Regents, NWETs are like the SATs. Because the SATs, yes. they kind of weigh a little bit heavier to see what you're really good at and what your potential Regions could be. Yeah. Regions, APs, because with the, it's almost unfair to call it like the SATs, because the SATs really like, it's like one test, like, the, whereas they're getting tested on, it's like, okay, math, like, SATs was what, math, vocabulary, and like, like other crap, I don't even remember, yeah. that's how long ago it's been. Yeah, I did a low above average it's on like, that. I didn't, yeah. yeah, I didn't actually do that, I, I think I did, I did okay, but, ACTs. I didn't take the ACTs, I didn't <laughs> My cousin Gahulin. Yeah, that's what everybody. My cousin Gahulin aced his SATs, but that's also why he went to Harvard too. So, I kind of. Do you ever like think about that? Like, I'm like, I kind of want to take it again just to see what I would do now. Oh, no, hell no. I'm so curious. Like, I kind of want to sign up. I'm gonna go sit standard, there with like 15 year olds. I took one standardized test after. I took the GED after, um, after graduating from college. I took the GED to get into grad school, um, which I probably have to take again eventually down the road but yeah that was just like oh my god i gotta study this all over again except it was more business related and at that point i was yeah. more prepared but was for that it. more back to basics kind of thing for you i know it was a lot of back to basics but it was all business related okay so i was still in that time frame of mind but yeah standardized testing but owls those are kind of cool because there is that practical part of it there's the there's a there's the classroom part of it, and then there's the practical exam. Right. Which I feel like everyone would be suck at the – well, maybe not suck at it because it depends. Like Hermione would be better at the written exam, yeah. but the practical one, she might struggle in some areas. Right. Like she did in uh, Defense Against Dark Arts, the Defense Against Dark Arts one. In third year. But meanwhile, Harry was um... – God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, Penguins just won. Fuck. Anyway, but like Harry um, kicked ass in like all like uh, his his defense against dark dark arts practical. Um, not so much not so of umbrage. Yes, much not so much in transfiguration and. 
Charlie Charms. Charms. Yeah. Yeah, but he still got what uh, acceptables in those. I believe yeah. later we find out or exceeds expectations. Mm-hmm. Which that sounds like the worst grade exceeds expectations. Like Fred and George. Like oh, <laughs> what was that? That was my stomach. Yeah, no, but like Fred and George saying, we should have got an ease on everything because we exceeded expectations by just showing up. Yeah. So, I just loved also the fact that Troll is a legitimate grade because when I first read that, I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then later on, you're like, holy oh. crap, a troll is a real grade? <laughs> it makes you really <laughs> it just think make, about your life right there. Like, oh, is that you, how people but, perceive that, me? But it's so appropriate for the, this Wizarding World because it's so eccentric and silly at points. Yeah. When it's supposed to be very serious, there's still those like eccentric moments where like didn't what did Harry get for potions? He got acceptable. No, no. No, he ex- exceeds expectations it was, because it was the polyjuice. Um, he will not take anything less than an outstanding. No, oh, Slughorn. Slughorn does it. Alas, you're right. Snape takes outstanding. Ah, uh, alas, you're correct. But it's it kind of surprised me that, despite everything that Snape and Harry had gone through no, that year, that he allowed. But then again, Dumbledore kind of was. The written exam. Um, was about polyjuice potion. Right. I was actually thinking about uh, driving home today. I'm like, wait a second. So you're telling me that Polyjuice Potion was in the forbidden section, but they're still but fifth years are still being examined on it when you have to go into the They have to get permission to do that? Yeah. Yeah, you know, permission to even look at the potion. Well it's just well, to it's see describe the effects of it, right? Like I don't think you go down to the nitty gritty with it because even too uh everyone knows that Mad Eye was well, well, if yeah. you believe the Dumbledore story, which by the end a lot of them do, uh, Mad Eye slash Barty Junior, um, w- that's what he was doing. So I think a lot of them are really familiar at it, with it that at that point. Um, but I also think it may have been in the forbidden section because they didn't want younger students to make it. To make because it because I think at a certain point we're actually seeing like older kids go through like the more forbidden section more on a normal basis mm. like six years and up or something like that right yeah they just need a note yeah so yeah so it's interesting that like i was having since we're all out of college at this point i had moments of like i had a like vietnam final flashbacks <laughs> like with like oh i was like oh god Oh my god! I'm just I'm just having that moment like oh there's the because the toughest class I ever took was me, uh, media and the law, which my teacher was a lawyer by day and this is his job at night mm-hmm. like Batman. Uh, I, have, I have one for criminal law. I took. And he didn't treat it like a broadcast because he tra- treated it like a law class and almost failed, almost got expelled be- because of this class because of the things I've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully there's no. Uh, Statue of limitations. Probably no way is listening right now. Yeah, but I'll tell you the story of how much someone got expelled off the off the mic. But do you wiggle your penis at someone? No, Herbert. No, I wasn't that. That probably would have been more acceptable anyway. Um, what did you do? Don't worry about it. I'll tell you <laughs> off mic. God damn it! So and I remember spending hours upon hours studying for those classes, studying for those tests and stuff like that because there was three major tests throughout the semester, and. 
Luckily, yeah. the final is the three tests combined, so we just studied those three tests, and I somehow scraped by, I think, with a C? Maybe you were like a B- minus at that point? Yeah. No, I did the same thing with finance. I could not figure it out. I couldn't, for some reason, finance and me just did not get along whatsoever. I somehow managed to get a C-plus out of that class. Granted, the the school, that class was also ran by the school of business dean. Ah. And I was friendly with him. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't say best of buddies, but he knew who I was just by, no, because I was, uh. Did you wiggle your penis at him? Yes, I wiggled my penis at him. <laughs> if you must know. No. Um, no, but I worked, I was, uh, I was working at the school business front desk for a work study job. And late one night. No, 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 he just saw me there. I also did the comics for the newspaper, which he actually loved. So, right. yeah. So he knew me. So I think that helped with the final grade. Gotcha. All right. The idea of the prophecy in general. The prophecy. Is that a bit of a cop-out when it comes to mythology or fantasy writing? The prophecy! Uh, it kind of is. It makes sense for this, I guess. Because it you have the first four books and nothing was even mentioned about the prophecy. Yeah, then all of a sudden... This is thrown in there. And then afterwards, just Didn't they call him the chosen one before. No, yeah, they I, mm. no, they, he was the boy who lived before, and then he was the liar, and then he became, <laughs> then he became the chosen one after it was found out that he it was after the prophecy. Um, but it kind of is because it does the whole Jesus thing. Uh, Harry, we, we Harry's, had a Christian. And Harry's the savior and come to rid the rid the world of evil and just it, I died for your sin. He does die for it. There wasn't like a two part. There wasn't like Jesus didn't have a twin or anything and like they chose one or the other. No. So like no, she Neville, took her liberties with the it. whole like that was that was inventive, but it was, it's still the same. <laughs> I love that you got that, Mike. And that yeah. morning, we're just swinging it. I like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Tim Allen's, Tim Allen's <laughs> my gun. <laughs> oh, 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 green giant. Everyone loves power tools. <laughs> anyway, um, now it, it, she did take her liberties with that. Where where Voldemort was the one who chose who was the prophet, who was going to be fulfill the prophecy. But at the same time, it's like it's same old hat. There's a prophecy. One has to kill the other one, and it's like okay. But if you're one really, will stand, one will fall. If you really have to look at it, it just seems redundant um, storytelling because we already got um, in uh, what's his face's uh, hero of a thousand faces, uh, Joseph Campbell's. There's always the call to action. Yeah, that would be the. St- that's like the starter pack of call to action. The prophecy told me to go and rid the world of this evil. Right. I mean, if you want to see a prophecy worked out, you watch the Matrix. Yeah, because that, like it's, that is it. That because is, they call into question the prophecy if it's true or not. Granted, it does turn out to be true. Yeah. That Neo is the one. Just anagram of safety. Sorry, um, that was a dumb thing. But anyway, no. But yeah, this is like the starter pack of storytelling the yeah. call to call the the call to action mm-hmm. but we already but harry already knew he was going to take out voldemort we already established that this was what it was building up to there was already that call to action so having this be like oh one must live and one must die you must you're destined to kill voldemort it's like 
we we know that. Yeah. So why waste our time with this? Right. I, that's where the prophecy, like, it's not that it's not necessary for the story. No. I mean, the book itself revolves around this prophecy of Voldemort getting it. It's because, a guffin to get this story moving. Yes, because Voldemort puts so much value into this. Right. That's the call to action for this story because they have to get the prophecy away from Voldemort because he needs that. But the prophecy for Harry just seems redundant because it was like, okay, we already knew all this. Yeah. We could have guessed this from the first book that Harry and Voldemort were supposed to go. Yeah. Like when Sybil makes the other prophecy the other time when she's like, he will return. I'm sorry that was too ranty. No, 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 no. That's perfect. I, I, I phrase it to be that way. Most intelligent comment um, of the night by me. I, yeah. can't, I can't judge anyone on rants because I went on a tangent when it came to umbridge so yeah. who am i to judge? and your feelings in the prophecy overall i i don't like it is something voldemort needs he needs to validate because he doesn't get what each and every turn he's getting thwarted i just also don't think it would really take them that long to get into the department of like mysteries i feel like but he tried that that's why bode um he was an unspeakable, yes. Yeah, he yeah. So he that. tried he tried that and it didn't work. And then he was attacking the people. Like, that's in Sturgis, who was guarding it. He tried embarrassing him. It didn't work. So he's trying these things, but I just don't think it would literally take a whole year um, for him to get in there. No, it's another convenience for the book itself to, yeah. to, to progress the entire school year. My feelings of the prophecy itself, I'll sum it up like this. Who's Anakin's father? There was no father. I carried him. I gave birth. Don't know what happened. Yes, I just I just referenced the fucking prequels right there, because the prophecy. It's cool to bring up a theory that Neville may have been the true one. Yeah, that's the only cool thing about it. Otherwise, it is simply a MacGuffin to get this story going. But it's get such a MacGuffin. Party but, going. It's party going. Fall so hard, motherfuckers want to find me. Um, but it's <laughs> so contrived at that point that like we've seen prophecies done like. Even Lord of the Rings, that the ring, Sauron cannot be destroyed unless the ring is destroyed. Mm-hmm. That's a prophecy that works. Or, yeah. Uh, it's just so baffling for me that it had to be kind of crowbarred in here. And it's something I find really, like you said, redundant. Could have been anything else. Yeah. They do mention the prophecy in like, uh, later uh, in a previous book because when she makes that prophecy Dumbledore goes says there's I another... had my reasons for keeping her she has proved herself to be like predict a true seer or it could have been the prophecy could have been like something where it's like um like it could have been like oh well it's kind of saying like Dumbledore has to has to pass away for in order for Harry to succeed at a task given at the task given to him something like that where it's not as clear cut where yeah it's something new where it's like oh well that's heavy shit yeah where it's like something where like still something Harry can worry about and Dumbledore like or he could have been like Dumbledore could have told him what that prophecy is yeah. doesn't doesn't he know what the prophecy is. Yeah, well, that's where, how he finds out at the end of the book. Because, yeah, I'm just saying, like, how much would it have been like, yo, don't go there because this is what it is. Yeah, well, well, that's, that's the whole point of do. not talking to him yeah. for the full fucking year. But, no, but just Dumbledore. make... <laughs> <Dumbledore>. <laughs> but make the prophecy something like Dumbledore has to die so Harry can f- so Harry can save the world or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or something like, or like an older or like a... F- 
a close friend must perish for you to succeed on your ta- like task or like uh, justice and right- righteousness or something like that. Something something like that to not the point where like, yeah, you get to kill him to save the world. Bushaka. Understandable. Um, the final battle between the students and the Death Eaters at the Ministry. Your feelings. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. It was so cool and uh, how they're going through the different rooms and everything like that. And just how like these Death Eaters are being outsmarted by a group of, of people trained by Harry yeah. to defend themselves and everything like that. And it's really good. I mean, it. you understand why the Death Eaters aren't just like flat out just trying to kill them because... Yeah. One, Voldemort would be pissed if Harry Potter got killed by anyone. Yeah. And two, they have to protect that prophecy because they're dead if they don't. Yeah. So so that already puts up that barrier for the Death Eaters not to go balls to the wall. Right. But they're still struggling against these group of kids. So I loved it. And then all... And they... If the Order of the Phoenix didn't come in... They would have lost. Yeah. The they kid, put up a good fight. Put but up a good fight. And they were. It at, was their Alamo moment there. Yeah. Neville and Harry standing on the pavilion. Just like going down together. You with me, brah? I'm with you, brah. Final stand. Just ah, guns are blazing. Going down in blaze of glory. <laughs> just imagine. Some bon Jovi in here. Just, just imagine like. What a Photoshop Harry Neville on the Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid at the end of the movie when they come out guns blazing. <laughs> My God, that would be hysterical. Yeah, no, I I kind of agree exactly with with that though. Like these kids are putting out such a good fight against grown wizards, um, and then you get the sad moment when Sirius dies. Yes, we finally get to really meet Bellatrix Lestrange in person there, and then she has her crazy duel with her cousin and. It wasn't serious distracted by something. That's why he couldn't block um, Bellatrix's... Uh... He was smack talking. Yeah, right. he was getting... I think he got a little, like... Cocky. Mm. And Bellatrix delivers the final blow, and he goes flying into the veil and just disappearing. Which, again, somebody remind me, what, what is the veil supposed to do? I, I think it's... I think it's a physical portal between the... Like the spiritual world, real the physical world, the spiritual world. Okay. Yeah, that's I. That's kind of how I pictured it too, which is why Harry, like, they wouldn't let Harry go get him because, because he would never. Yeah, yeah, can't yeah, come he, back. He can't yeah. go back. It's a one-way door. And so. Remus was the one who subdued him from doing that, right? Yeah. Okay. He can't bring him back. And then Luna at the. Sorry, that was all right. And then Luna at the very end, where she's like, "Yeah, there." No, it's her saying her mother's was. She could hear her mother on the other opposite side of the veil. They're right. there, so that makes it more think like that is definitely the doorway to the spirit world. There's mm. just no way coming back from it. Um, I was just wondering why would somebody design something like that? I, I mean, it's, Nicholas from it's, would do that. Like that's why they're the unspeakables. Like there's so many different things in there that shouldn't be being done. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's literally it's, there, like. Area 51, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those conspiracy things that they're not... These are things that the Quibbler writes about right. that no one believes, like... Yeah, it's also probably, like, ancient, ancient magic. Right. Like, be well before the Ministry of Magic was even there. Like, something like where they... It was transported from, like, uh... Stonehenge. Stonehenge, yeah. yeah. Just, it, that's where it's from. It, it's also in a room, so I'm assuming at one point they did do executions in there. 
Probably. But if there's a way to get executed, that might be the best way because I don't think it, how yeah, painful. Torture. Yeah. It's just like, this <laughs> is, this is ministry. Good. <laughs> Fly. It is. Well, that was anticlimactic. Anticlimactic. Yeah. All right. Maybe we shouldn't have a build up like that. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Doyle, you still owe me ten bucks, right? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> well, it's better than the uh, the hangsman from uh, <laughs> <laughs> Blazing Saddles. <laughs> a little nine and a half, maybe. I can't get him in today. I'm too booked up. This one <laughs> puts the noose around the horse. It's a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, the uh, Doctor Gillespie killings. Off you go. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's just a man and his horse. Shh. <laughs> um, I love that movie. <laughs> uh, I love my favorite. I mentioned this before. My favorite moment of the battle at the end is when uh, one of the Death Eaters goes flying back into the Time Turner's cabinet, mm-hmm. and the Time Turner's keep breaking and. Repairing yeah, itself and yeah. back in time, and then keep breaking and just seeing that vicious circle like that. Loop, yeah. Uh, I always thought those. They play like Pink Floyd's "Time" in that room all the time. That would be funny, but I... probably not. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a no. There, it's a no for me. Fine, there's gotta be a buzzkill <laughs> on his his Pink Floydisms right there. No God. Pink Floyd for you. <gasps> no Pink Floyd for you. <laughs> you gotta shut the hell up, or you gotta get a bullet in the knee. Party pooper, no cake for you. <laughs> um, two last things, and then I guess we're going to wrap it up. Uh, is, well, I'll say that the last question. The themes for this book. This sense, like, each book has this kind of, like, thematic feeling. So, like, yeah, what do you think would be the themes for this one? Uh, races. Ra- racism? Uh, tolerance. Um, I think. Responsibility. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, like um trust. Yeah, trust is a big one too because if they if there was just a little bit more of that, I think things would have been a little different. Um I want to I can't think of how to word it, but like ha- like how Harry like doesn't handle anything, right? No. Like he wants to tell the truth, which is super admirable, but he does it in the wrong way. Mm. Um and then you finally get like that interview with Rita Skeeter that like people are like wow yeah it was a brilliant brilliant on Hermione's part to set that even set that up mm-hmm. and then to publish it in the Quibbler which is like okay this is the re- National Choir of yeah the National Choir of the Wizarding World but then like how Umbridge bans the Quibbler and which infor- which it makes Hermione- validates everything they Every- said yeah validates everything and then every- ensures everyone's going to read it yeah so. No, nah, I love that. But, yeah, no, I think Nikki mentioned all the fun facts about the, the book. It's just all those traits that come into play. Big question before the conclusion. Is this book too long? Could there have been trimming? Since this is the longest book in the series, and obviously this is the longest podcast because we're about two, one, like three hours and 20 minutes. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. So I may split this into two pieces. I'm not too sure. Is this book too long? You need a minute? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, could there have been trimming? Yes. Do I think it necessarily needs it? No. Because um, even, like, everything I've read up to so far, 
I'm rereading so I'm at like 652 right now. A lot of stuff. Not happens. nobody's counting. Yeah, like, but like that's and there's still another like 300 pages. But like, um, it's just that there's a lot of stuff that happens and there's a lot of themes and you really get inside the characters that you're introduced to head uh, in this one. I so I don't necessarily think it had to be trimmed. Could she have? Yeah, absolutely. There, it, there definitely is a little bit of. Uh, I don't want to say monotony because I think that's too harsh of a word, but there is a little bit of um, recurrence, I guess. Like they redundancy. Yeah, like we get it. Like Umbridge is evil. You know what I mean? But like I also think I liked it. I really like this one. Like this is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. So like I I hate when people talk smack about it, but it is it is a very long book. Like that's a lot of pages for anyone, especially like um, this still is in a children based series mm. so that's a rough it's a rough haul like mm. 800 and what like 32 pages something Somewhere something like that. Yeah. ballpark well, let me find out because it's like behind me as my like backrest but <laughs> sorry i'm making you sit in a very uncomfortable no, couch no. it actually was like really comfortable 870 <laughs> yeah 870 in this bad boy Jesus. so no, I would have to agree there. It's like, yeah, there probably could be some trimming. It's just I don't know what would be trimmed. Mm. Because there are those little details that J.K. Rowling slips in there where you're like, oh, I should probably remember that. And they do come back into play. But it's like some parts where it's like, yes, there is a redundancy of how horrible Umbridge is. And then it gets a little bothersome. I mean, you're irksome at some point where it's like, okay, now there's another decree for this. It's like, oh, my God. And, like, some of them don't even come back into play until just to serve one point. Yeah. So it's like, you really need that? But then again, you can't do because, you know, she's oppressing them. But. It's never, it's not one chapter we could pick out, like, oh, lose you, that. You drop it's that. pages here, pages there. Little, just... set, like, a sentence or two, just snip out. It, but yeah, it's just, there's some trimming you can do, but there's not nothing specifically to point at the thing like we don't need that no i mean like i remember maybe uh, the cho ching valentine's day thing possibly because that because that fails and yeah but they no they they don't no no the valentine's day thing where they bitches and they break they don't it doesn't go well he goes to the three groups He's had enough shitty days the entire yeah. year. He needs yeah, to break him off a little like, bit. He's pissed off leaving, goes yeah. to the... Do, goes to, Here comes Roger Davies again. Y'all thought he wasn't important. <laughs> Roger Davies, he's such a player. But, um, no, he, um... No, but... No, Tiffany, good word. No, I'm saying that might be the only thing because after the interview... Cho runs up to him and gives him a kiss on the cheek. He's like, if I knew you were doing to do that, I would have totally, like... I would have totally, like, not have bitched you out and stuff like she that. Just, that was so brave. Like, she didn't, like, go, like, oh, I understand why you left now. It was, that was so brave. And then next time they, they fight anyway. Yeah, yeah. So that's important. Like, yeah, but, so that's why it's, like, so stupid yeah. because it was, that was totally unnecessary to have that bitch fest because let the kid have a fucking break for once. It's obviously that this relationship was not going to last. Oh, no, because she can't get over Cedric, and she can't see Harry more than, like, a cent- like someone to talk to Cedric about. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Reminds me of, like, when James Cameron, like, the first, like, big movie he digitally edited was Titanic, and he would just cut off frames here and there to save time. 
and he cut off frames like end of each shot for each scene, stuff like that. So much so that he cut like five minutes of the movie out just by cutting off a few frames here, a few frames there. Could have been something like that that could have helped this. Yeah. Now, final thoughts. Um, it might possibly be my second favorite book of the series because I, there's just so much that goes on, and it's so it's a really enjoyable read. You could, but. You can also get invested easily in Harry. You get invested easily in what's going on in Hogwarts. And then the whole, you know, some of the stuff is totally relatable. Like you can totally understand why you're feeling this way for him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's definitely uh, my second favorite book out of the series. Yeah, no, it's my second favorite book as well. Um, and I, I just like, I like everything. And I think it, I honestly just think, the frustration that people have with this book is really misplaced and i think it's fully when you all you see is like angsty harry like people are like i can't stand it i'm like no no but you have to understand it and that's what like people don't um but yeah no i love this book i love everything that happens in it i think it's really necessary going forward uh to get introduced to some of these like players like and to be able to identify the little things here and there in here comes in so much handy comes in so much handy Com- becomes so useful later on there ah okay much better sentence <laughs> structure um i agree i think this is a tie between this and half blood prince is my second favorite now i probably wouldn't have said that before this podcast being but i think because we had such enthusiasm for this book specifically that kind of elevated that for me mm-hmm. so i really enjoyed this book again so i may end up just re-listening to this again just after this podcast just to re-listen mm-hmm. to this the audiobook for this so I enjoyed the hell out of it. Cannot wait to do the commentary for it. And I just cannot wait to finish the series and stuff like that. And we'll be finally done. We're until getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's What's going to happen when we're all done? We'll find something else to talk about. Everybody's coming up with a common interest. <laughs> I guess we start reading Narnia. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> I haven't read Narnia in a while. I would do that. I'll I'll listen to you yeah, later. Yeah, Narnia. I mean, do Narnia, and there's like three movies. <laughs> so like, we'll, we'll do the books first. Like there we go. Then eventually the movies. We can do that. Anyway, so I hope everybody's enjoyed this podcast. But before we sign off, we need to find out if these people who made it this far. I know. What should be the hashtag if people made it this far? Hashtag Umbridge sucks. Yeah, that's. I was gonna say it has to be something with Umbridge. Hashtag. Hashtag DA for life. Hashtag DA for life. <laughs> now, if people made this far and want to follow us on social media, where can they find follow you, Nikki? Uh, so you can follow Nikki Muggle on Facebook, Instagram, uh, all that other good stuff. It's either Nikki Muggle or Nikki Muggle One. You can find me on Facebook at Dakota Wegan, uh, Instagram and Twitter D Wegan One or just D Wegan, and you can follow me on DeviantArt.com at DW Drawings, where I have a bunch of reviews of cartoon series and anime series. Currently working on a Gundam binge thing, which is going to take forever. I have no sympathy for you for what the list you showed me of all <sighs> the series you're going to show. Like you deserve all the hate. I'm on the third series right now. It's there's no English dub for it, so I'm watching it in Japanese. And I'm turning Japanese into the turning Japanese. I really think so. Do, oh my do, god, do, do, female do. Japanese voice actresses. I, <laughs> I don't think it's how but um, next <laughs> next pot next podcast. I should have my uh website for my blog uh memorized at that point. Okay, it cool. should be like cartoon blog, uh, cartoon bitch at like 
blog.com. Cartoon bitch? Is that what you got? Binge. Oh, <laughs> binge. <laughs> cartoon bitch. Yes, I'm the, I'm a bitch for cartoons. I get pushed over and just fucked from behind. And that, that went differently than I expected. So that's what you do with the movie requirement then. No, 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 no. no. I'll take no, the leg. Yeah. No, 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 no. Keep it right here. Um, no more for you. you I, I feel like it's feel like Nikki's getting more and more uncomfortable with us and each podcast we do. Getting further and further away from you on this here couch. <laughs> the corner of the room at that point. You're going to have to roll up. the mic to me in like the other room. Just throw me the throw me the whip. I'll throw me the idol. <laughs> throw me the microphone. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Rooney 2 because some bastard took yeah. Timothy Rooney and Timothy Rooney 1. Find you, Timothy Rooney. Uh, I will find you. I will kill you. I will kill you. You can follow me on Instagram at tbrooney1012. You can follow my YouTube and Facebook page under the same name of Through the Lens Productions, where my latest short film, Through the Lens Productions, uh, I, wow, wow, I just said the name of a production game again. I, 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 I'm kind of, I'm starting to lose the power of the English language. Uh, follow my, my uh, movie is A Cowardly Lot. Just can't do it, Captain. I don't have the power. And on that note, hope everyone's enjoyed this podcast review of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix book review. And stay hang- tuned for the movie. Yes. Where, hashtag- just remember, guys, these two are going to be Tim and oh, Nikki are going to watch. Be watching. I will be watching it for the first time. So I completely forgot. Yes, I, no, I, I remember that. reminded me. And we're, oh. we're going to be tweeting J.K. Rowling after this. Yes, I'm going to tweet her right after this. All right, so. Did I say tweeting or tweaking? We're tweeting. tweeting. <laughs> so we're not going to J.K. Rowling. You guys are going to tweet her. Yes. Hope everyone's enjoyed this podcast review of Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. We'll be talking to you soon on SoundCloud.com. This is Anything Goes, and I'm Tim Rooney. Hope everyone's enjoyed this, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, bitches. <laughs>